Hey everybody, Peter Mancuso here from a little show called Now That's What I Call a Franchise. Maybe you've heard of it. Before getting into this week's episode, um, I just wanted to talk about some stuff going on. Um, we record our episodes you know, months in advance, but as of the release of this episode, uh, both the Writers Guild of America and the Screen Actors Guild uh, have gone on strike against basically all of mainstream Hollywood, uh, which is represented by the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. Basically, both unions are demanding their fair share of the profits that their hard work and uh, dedication produces for these, you know, multinational media conglomerates and uh, their overpaid CEOs. Now, when SAG went on strike, there were some questions around what counted as promotion, uh, something that could be considered crossing the picket line. Um, and there's been a lot of confusion and misinformation and mixed signals about this, uh, particularly for non-union members, um, even just covering older films released by these struck companies. And on our show, that's all we do, right? We've covered like three franchises owned by Disney, which I think speaks volumes about the state of the industry. Um, and now we're focusing on Batman, which of course is owned by Warner Brothers. So what do we do? Well, after sifting through all the information the best we could, we've decided to continue our release schedule as planned. Uh, we're not doing this out of laziness. Uh, if anything, delaying our schedule would actually give us more time that we desperately need uh, to watch these films and record our thoughts. But by releasing our episodes as planned, uh, we at least have the chance to insert this intro uh, and make it clear in no uncertain terms, Viviana and I and the New Arts Workshop stand with workers above and below the line, striking or not, unionized or not. And we're not going to remove this intro from our episodes until the studios satisfy the union's demands. If you want to help the cause, post about it on social media or donate to each union's respective strike funds. Alone, we can't do anything. Together, we can change everything. All right, I'm getting off my soapbox now. Time for the show. You're listening to the New Artist Workshop. what I call a franchise. I'm Peter Mancuso. And I'm Viviana Metzger, and this is a show where Peter and I pick a film franchise and go through every single installment, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And to be clear, we're defining a franchise as a series of films with at least four entries. So, Viviana, what are we talking about today? Today we are talking about the 1992 film Batman Returns. And of course, this is your one and only spoiler warning. If you haven't watched the movie, go do that before listening. Um, it is not on HBO Max anymore. It is now on Max. Yes. Um, so yeah. Today, the day that we're recording this that is... Today is the day! They've officially changed to Max. It'd be hilarious if they revert the name back. <laughs> like like IHOP. It was yeah. IHOP. Though I, th I believe that was just a publicity stunt. I believe, like, <laughs> like it was, it was always they were always gonna put it back. It was just like to get people interested in their burgers, um, which I've had, not good. No, so they're not very. Their good food at all. is not good. It's like there was a whole comedy bit I saw about like, like 
if you go to IHOP and order a steak, <laughs> there's something like, like, and then you're like upset, like, mm, this wasn't really meat. It's like, we have one cook option. Cooked. <laughs> there's no rare. There's no medium well. Like, it's, like, it's fine. Mm. It's just like old people food, you know, like. Like, I, I like the turkey sandwich. If I'm not going to get, you know, pancakes, I'll yeah. get the turkey sandwich. Well, it's great to but... go after, like, if you were in high school theater going to the IHOP. Because they serve breakfast all day. Well, you know where I went is on the free pancake day. You get a free stack. Mm, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, anyway. Anyways, Vivian, so here's the read... letter, bo- header, letter? The header boxed <laughs> d- blurb. Here is the letter boxed blurb. Having defeated the Joker, Batman now faces the Penguin, a warped and deformed individual who is intent on being accepted into Gotham society with the help of Max Shrek, a crooked businessman whom he coerces into helping him... Does he? (laughs) Whom he coerces into helping him run for the position of mayor of Gotham while they... Well, this is a run-on sentence. Uh, (laughs) While they both attempt to frame Batman in a different light. Period. Batman must attempt to clear his name. All while also deciding just what must be done with the mysterious Catwoman slinking about. That is a very long letterbox. That is very long and and nothing to do with the movie. (laughs) Well, no, no. It has has to do with the movie. Well, yeah, it has to do with the movie. I like how it's like 90% like the penguin and then it's like, oh, yeah, and also Catwoman slinking about. (laughs) Slinking about. While also deciding just what must be done. (laughs) Because um, he can't decide whether to fork her, whether to, lo- you know, get, turn her over to the feds. He, he can't decide. Probably all of the above. All of the above. Can I turn her over to the um, feds and get a conjugal visit? So so this is the first one. I get, I'm just ignoring you. Again, <laughs> this is the, I think we talked about this uh, last week. <laughs> this is the first franchise that we're doing that has, like, that, like, has been consistently rebooted. Multiple yes. times, like with X Men, there was there was recasting, but they were they were meant to be like the younger versions of yes, the characters. Yes, yes. Whereas this is like you know this is not meant to be in the same continuity as like any anything else, right? But this this particular film this one happens to be to the it's the first one that we've watched that's like a direct sequel to a previous yeah. one. And, Every single other it, one, and it refers to the first one too. Yeah, that's that's another thing. It's not just like oh the cast is the same and the director's the same. Like it. It, it not as directly as I would have liked, but it does reference things that happened in in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but why don't I talk a little bit about like the basic info here? Just just some sure. So the crew, so to speak. Yes, talk about how they brought Tim back. Yeah, so Tim Burns back directing. <laughs> he didn't seem too enthusiastic the first time, so I'm surprised he's back. I believe <laughs> I think I talked about this in my research or, or trivia. He prefers this one over the last one. Okay, easily, yeah. <laughs> and I think that makes sense because this one's a lot more. Like I feel him more mm-hmm. in this. Um, between the last one and this one, he had directed Edward Scissorhands, which was like a huge. Of I don't know how big of a hit was critically or commercially, but like. When you talk about Tim Burton's filmography, that's always, like, one of the first ones people bring up. Of course, of Um, course, yeah. So he was definitely becoming the Tim Burton that we know, right, by this point, right? He was evolving into Tim. Um, It was written by a guy named Daniel Waters, who I don't think was involved with the first film. He wrote Heathers. Fuck Heathers. I know, I know you have a big beef against Heathers. I think it's it's good. I think it's overrated, but you, like, hate Heathers. Fucking hate Heathers. Well, okay, I never, to be fair, I've never seen the play... But I have seen the movie Buck Heathers, so... Why, why don't you like... For, for our audience, why don't you like Heathers? I... 
There's just so many things. I can't even get <laughs> You come for Batman Returns. You stay for the Heather's hate. That's 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 what our show's it's just, about. It's just so ridiculous with with no explanations and no but it's not just like ridiculous like oh ha 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 or like like extravagant or whatever, you know, or whimsical. It's it's mm. so it's so dramatically dark and 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 with no explanation as to anything. Mm. You walk in on your kid trying to kill themselves and you don't do anything, you just leave. You say, Hello, okay, goodbye. Like mm. or that you know, then there's a whole situation with the boy, you know. Slating boy, the Slater. Christian Slater. Yes, yes. The yes. Slating boy. Was he assistant camera? <laughs> Scene three, take one. <laughs> and <laughs> with the whole school situation, I. Well, it's, it's really hard to watch that movie now because, like, the climax. Because it's like it's meant to be a dark comedy, but the climax is yeah, him like which, basically like a bomb at a high school, which, which I is usually just, just like, love. Which I usually like am really drawn to dark comedies because it's like. You know, it's funny, but it's like things that, you know, are, we mm-hmm. can see, you know, it's like, let's not sugarcoat it, whatever, right? But I don't know, something about this movie, it just, and then didn't he lose some fingers or something at the end? It's like very strange. Anyway, anyway, it's written by Daniel Waters, who, who wrote Heathers. It's also produced by Tim Burton and Denise DeNovi. DeNovi also produced Heathers, um, and she had co-produced Edward Scissorhands. So that's how she kind of got involved. Um, distributed once again by Warner Brothers. It was released in June of 90, 1992, despite being a Christmas film kind of, like set at Christmas time. Very strange. Um, but that, it's not unprecedented. There have been movies before and since that were set at Christmas. No, uh, I know, but in the you, summer. you would just think like maybe November, like like December, January? Like, yeah. Um, it was... It was made for about $65 million um, and grossed $267 million at the box office. Um, so it was more expensive than the last one, and also, but also made less money. So but it seems they still made their money back. It, well, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, it's, they, you know, they still, I would still say it made a profit in a sense. Um, had you seen this one before? Because this is my first time seeing it. I had never seen I had never You've seen never this. You've never seen this? I had never seen this before. What? No. Are you serious? I'm a, I'm a hundred. What? Why would I lie? No, that's just crazy. If okay. anything, I would lie about seeing it. That's crazy. To get cred. You know, I had never <laughs> seen this one. Well, because don't forget, I even as a kid, I didn't really like the last one. Mm-hmm. So it's not like as I got older. But you, so wait, I forgot. So you saw the last one, right? Well, yeah, like one time when yeah, I was yeah, a kid. Yeah. Okay, but mm-hmm. then you, you had no interest to go see this. It's one. like revisit that version of the character, yeah. really. So interesting. No, yeah, I've seen this before. Um, I don't think I remembered a lot of like the specifics, but. Um, like I said in the last one, like, I think I was kind of, like, mixing the two together. Um, As you're wont to do. Yeah, with, yeah. All, with all these films we've watched. Of course, I mean, it's the same. Is the classic, may I, may, need I bring up, is that the one with the bridge? <laughs> From X, when we talked about X. <laughs> but, um, you know, of course I remember, because, you know, like, like, Catwoman and Penguin, and, um, yeah, watching it. Lots of characters. Back. Lots of Batman characters. Yeah. Because last one, it was basically just Joker. Yeah. But this one, it has Catwoman and Penguin. And Max yeah. Shrek, but he's not from the comics, from what I understand. Oh, he's not. Okay, he's like, yeah. he's, yeah, he's an original character. Yeah. Um, 
Played by Christopher Walken, who I did not know was in this movie. Until we started watching it. Chicken blood. It did that. Uh, uh, yeah, his iconic performance in Kangaroo. That is what he was known for. <laughs> Kangaroo Jack. Kangaroo Jack. Being yeah. the mean guy in Kangaroo Jack. The the stepdad, yeah. The stepdad. Um but yeah, so I'd seen it before. Um I I guess felt good. I don't know. I <laughs> I don't really remember much. Um, but I do remember it being a thing yeah. and, and I think that thinking more of that one instead of the first one. Mm-hmm. Do you remember liking the this movie like before or um, you just knew you saw I think it? But you don't so. Remember yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I I like penguin just like as a character. So. Well, because you are penguin. That's well, I am a penguin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. <laughs> and then also, you know, like. Um, Catwoman, because you know, it seemed like the other Catwomans too, so it's you know, mm-hmm. like, um, you know, yeah, it just you know, I'm a cinephile, whatever. Well, we're, we're kind of jumping out of order here, but I'm curious, right? Because <laughs> again, with this, like, we have the opportunity to compare different versions of these characters, yeah. It's not a great comparison because, as we discussed with the Adam West one, it's kind of like self parody in a way, mm-hmm. but so how do you think these versions of uh, Catwoman and Penguin compare to? those from the Adam West one. Oh, interesting. Um, I think these are somehow more silly. Somehow. Oh, well... Like, it's visually very dark and gritty, <laughs> but, like, they're really, like, playing to the back row, like, which I kind of like. Yeah, like, they're just, yeah. like, completely... Like, Dane DeVito, I wrote in my notes, like, completely disappears into the role, I really think. Like, <laughs> it's not just because he has, like, enough makeup to make him not look like Dane DeVito. so scary. Like, I, I think he does a good job of... him looking that scary. Yeah, he is pretty... Yeah, because they, they make him, like, really pale, too, so he just kind of looks like a corpse. Like, everyone looks like a corpse yeah, in this everyone, movie. Yeah, everyone looks like a corpse. Like, both in the first one, like, the... Who is it? Like, the, the petty thieves or, like, the... <laughs> they the did drug look like, dealers or yeah. I don't know whatever the two guys on the roof they the muggers uh, yeah I literally asked you like three times I was like why do they look like zombies like why do they look dead like yeah. <laughs> you know um but <laughs> um yeah but that that comes back for this one too I mean at, at one point she Selena's actually dead um but <laughs> yeah and we'll get into it because I'm still really confused like what the logic is behind her like her surviving that fall and I guess cats licking her wounds brings her like are they magical cats are they radioactive cats I don't know was she not really dead they just woke her up I I don't know she was dead (laughs) I don't know I don't know but it's the same thing with like Halle Berry like they just lick her and then like I don't know I don't really know is that all it takes Getting licked. I guess so. I guess they have magical spit. Anywho, um. So when she licks Batman across his whole face, why doesn't he get cat powers? Has to be from the source. He's already a bat. Yes, and it's not. He doesn't have any powers. And it's not from the source. Mm, Okay. Okay. (laughs) It's like a vampire. Um. I. I don't know. I think I like. Maybe. Penguin more in this one and then um or no wait <laughs> I don't know wait you don't have to say which one you like more but just comparing them like how they're different again I feel like honestly well this penguin is a lot more scarier obviously and this one is with Danny DeVito right so it's more like not to not to you know 
not as an insult or anything, but just as an observation. He's you small. Know, he's, the other guy he's was small, like a... yeah. So it's like more of a character. Caricature, uh, yeah. Caricature. Character. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> whereas like the other guy was just like a silly, like, you know, man, just man-sized like man-sized man, man-sized man. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> typical man size, um, and. I thought it was, I think it's funny because in, well, I guess he does have actual people in this movie, but his goons are actual penguins. And I thought that was silly. Some of silly. them, yeah. I some thought of that the, was silly. He, he's like made friends with the penguins. And yeah, and, so. And I, I'm a little confused about his situation. Like, mm-hmm. so is he like the original shark boy? Like, did these penguins raise him? I don't know. That's a, that's a thing that we'll talk about. Like, so in the comics, he's just like an English gangster. Oh, oh, he's English. He's meant to be British. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I believe. Um, Oswald Cobblepot. Well, yeah. Okay. Right. They said it's like the most English name you can yeah. have, right? Um, who I believe is like derisively known as the Penguin because he kind of acts like a penguin. But Tim Burton was like. I'm gonna make him like a penguin this, mutant this guy. This man is a penguin penguin. He's yeah. got penguin hands. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know. So I, I I like this version, although I do find him a little disturbing. Like he's like very, like I don't know, scary looking. Um. But I think I, I do also like the other Batman. I mean the other <laughs> penguin. Um. Burgess Meredith was the actor. I believe his name. <laughs> For Catwoman, I honestly don't know because, like, the first one was such a subtle performance, but it was, like, so suave, like, and... They played her more like a suave... Well, because in that one, she's just straight villain. Yeah. Whereas this one, she's... This one, it's, like, like, very campy. And you, like, like, understand where she's coming from more. Like, like, she has, like, a motivation. She's not evil. She's just, like, doing the wrong thing for the right reasons yeah. right is that like what uh, you right yeah well i think canon- like she's breaking the law but the point she's more like an anti-hero yeah i think canonically she's an anti-hero that's why you know like he kind of mm. has a thing for her but also they kind of fight you know that's like the whole thing with their yeah like their relationship the not just in this movie Anne but Hathaway other versions yeah there's a version where, Anne Hathaway, where, where she's right. like stealing something and then yeah there's like that tension right where it's like yeah. they're kind of perfect for one another yeah but he just they just can't reconcile their difference of like how to go about what they do. Very poetic. Very, well, very, you know, comparable to mm. American politics. Mm, mm, mm. So do you, why don't we talk a little bit about the re- the background on this on this film, shall I? Sure. So let's get into it. So after the success of the last film, um, a sequel was considered inevitable. A Warner, Brother, Warner Brothers Pictures had confidence in its potential and was discussing sequels by late 1989. Um, so it was pretty much, like, obvious. Like, it was so, you know, such a huge culture. We talked about, like, Batmania. Mm-hmm. Like, it seemed inevitable. It was basically, like, we're definitely going to do it. Um, despite pressure from Warner Brothers to finalize the script and begin filming, Batman director Tim Burton remained uncertain about directing a sequel. He described it as a, quote, dumbfounded idea, end quote, especially before Batman's performance was analyzed. Um, Like, you know, because it it was still pretty fresh. Like, Mm -hmm. I think it was still in theaters, basically, and they were like, let's make a sequel. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
Um, and he was also just generally opposed to sequels. Quote, sequels are only worthwhile if they give you the opportunity to do something new and interesting. It has to go beyond that, really, because you do the first for the thrill of the unknown. A sequel wipes all that out, so you must explore the next level. Yes, so I think he was very Tim. trepidatious about, like, like, are we just going to do the same? Are we just going to do it again, but, like, a different story? Or are we, like, really going to bring something new to the, to the table? Mm -hmm. um, Batman writer Sam Hamm, who, who was one of the writers of the last one, um, if you remember, mm -hmm. um, his initial story idea for a sequel expanded the character of District Attorney Harvey Dent, who was played in the last one by Billy D. Williams, right? Um, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. And his and kind of the film would cover his descent, it, like him becoming Two Face. Okay. Um, Warner Brothers wanted the main villain to be the Penguin, however, and Ham believed that the studio saw the character as Batman's most prominent enemy um, after the Joker. Which is interesting. Like, if you think of like the number two Batman villain, I don't, I don't know if I think of the, the Penguin. I think I think the Riddler, honestly. Oh really? Hmm. Yeah, like in terms of like who's best suited for. Well, what's interesting about Batman, and we'll talk about this probably, and we'll probably repeat ourselves a lot, mm -hmm. is that like all the bat, like the best Batman villains are kind of like a warped reflection of Batman, uh -huh. like what he could be if he went down the wrong path. Yeah. Right, so Joker, you know, Joker kind of represents like, like Bruce Wayne's like kind of mentally ill, you know what I mean? Like to do, to even be doing all this. He's very mentally ill. So it's like the Joker's kind of like a warped version of of like that potential. Um, yeah, kind the of penguins, like the, the penguin, because he's like heir to, he's another like heir to a rich family. Yeah, like he like could the, be the unchecked mania. Yeah. Actually, yeah. So like all of them are kind of like they're, you know, and Batman's the greatest, the world's greatest detective. So the Riddler's kind of like a warped version of like him using his like intelligence for evil like you know yeah. what i mean so and he's always covered up and you know he can't really express his sexiness so catwoman is you know <laughs> <laughs> what he could be yeah um catwoman was added because burton and ham were interested in the character catwoman w was more overtly sexualized wore bondage gear and nonchalantly murdered groups of men in their original idea for the story nice. um though she does kind of wear bondage like that leather yeah, the okay. Also, she she made that whole suit from that one little dress. Yeah, that, that's ridiculous. So. That's absolutely ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I I. Well, something that I want to say is I think say it. This is just about the silliest movie I have ever seen. Like ever seen? Come <laughs> on, the, the Adam one, West one was silly. He's running with the bomb for three minutes. Okay, yes, but I just mean like like. It looks dark, like you were saying, but... It's, it's not it's trying just to like, be silly. I see what you're it's saying. So, it's just so silly. It's like all the top talent in Hollywood was like, how can we... Like, what can we do to make the silliest movie? And then mm -hmm. sprinkled in, like, like crudeness and, like... like. There is a weird tone thing where it's yeah, like... It, very strange. I think that was an issue when it came out was that, like... Yeah. Especially, you know, the first one was certainly dark and we talked about it. Yeah. But it played really well with kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it did really well in that demographic. Yeah. So I think a lot of kids then went to go see this movie. And it's, on one hand, more goofy, but then on the other hand, also darker and more adult. Yeah. In yeah. terms of the, sometimes the dialogue is exactly. very innuendo-based or kind of, like, sexual or graphic, like, inappropriate, I would use yeah, the word. Yeah, very, yeah, or, or, or overt, overtly, yeah, sometimes, um... You know, the penguin is would not do well. Need to, no. Hashtag need to. He's which, sexually harassing. Which the... is so weird because I I do not remember that 
bit of him, but I guess that's... When you're a kid, it just goes over your head. No, you that's don't even notice. true. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, one of the reasons that, like, my mom wouldn't want me to watch, like, Shrek or something yeah. when I was a kid, but I was like, what do you mean it's inappropriate? He's just living in a swamp! He's just fucking green, Mom! <laughs> Um. <laughs> um. But yeah, that I did notice that very strange tone situation. Um, and like, both I'm happy to report there's no Prince musical sequence. <laughs> no. I will say no. <laughs> um. But yeah, it go it goes from very goofy to strangely sexual, and then also kind of violent and. Like I could see this being scary for a kid and a a kid a kid, but more importantly, a kid in nineteen ninety two. Because I feel like we're like every like we're more desensitized Mm -hmm. because of like like like. No, that's terrifying. She she. R slash watch people die is a thing that middle school boys would watch at sleepovers. Do you know what I mean? Like videos on Reddit of people of actual people like dying. Because it's on the internet. It just can. You know what I mean? Like, so so my point is that I feel like, especially like a kid in 1992. She's falling out it's of the kind fucking of scary. building. Yeah. It's scary. Later, Shrek gets like electrocuted and then he finds his body and he's like, he's like a, like a petrified skeleton kind of, but he almost looks like the scream, like painting. He's like, Whoa! no, he looks, he looks like. It was kind of scary. Even me, I was like, whoa, Jesus. <laughs> well, I wasn't expecting him to be there. Yeah. <laughs> but now that he's there, he, it kind of reminded me of um, in Home Alone uh, 2. When he turns into a skeleton. Into for, a skeleton. Briefly, yeah. <laughs> Again, movies where people get electrocuted and you see their skeleton briefly, five out of five. Yes. Ten out of ten. Um, um, but yeah, just some like weird things to kind of like amplify the characters, but like what just seems strange. Like, why was she trying to eat his bird? Like, <laughs> like I know she was like trying to. I know why. Like she was like trying to, you know, like use. It was a, a power move. Yeah, it was a power move. It was a scare tactic. You've never done you know? that in a meeting before. Eat someone's uh, pet bird. Put someone's bird in my mouth. Yes. Um, no. <laughs> what? What do you mean? <laughs> um, also, since when does Miss Kitty just follow her around to be to be a a, a liability? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I don't know. Again, I really don't understand like <laughs> the, the one cat time. element. Um, I, I've never seen the Halle Berry one, and we'll get to it. Yeah. Just by by default. <laughs> so I, some would maybe argue I shouldn't have even included it, but I consider Catwoman a Batman character. Yeah. So it's like kind of part of that franchise. So. Right, she, but I don't know of any other like, versions of Catwoman where together, she has right? special Catwoman powers. I always just assumed she was just like naturally. Well, other versions of her, like the Anne Hathaway one and the Zoe Kravitz one, they're just like naturally limber like they're not yeah. they, don't, they don't have any powers or yeah. anything or. oh it was very yeah it was very strange in this one because she just seemed like a normal lady and then all of a sudden she had like these like crazy gymnastic <laughs> like skills she's just like, like can just a continuous backflips she probably the did street. about 15 backflips in a row you can't just walk down the street or run prowl down the street yeah no. um <laughs> you're all out of breath well i wonder why <laughs> back back to the de, back to the de- but with Halle Berry, i think she also gets like some some similar powers like it's like how magical ish um kind of yeah it's like more emphasized i think because like i, I think at mm. one point she like wakes up it like she has like a little nook um you know like a little cutout in her mm-hmm. wall or something she like sleeps there like wakes up there like 
you know, she's like six feet off the ground. And it's like, she's yeah. like, oh, you know. Um, so back to the development. So Sam Hamm. I fucking love his name. Sam so Hamm. He, so he wrote two drafts of like potential sequel scripts. Um, but they failed to renew Burton's interest. And the director instead concentrated on directing Edward Scissorhands, which came out in 1990. Um, and writing The Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, for context, yeah. So that was like originally a short story he wrote. Okay. But so he didn't direct that movie. Henry Selleck directed mm-hmm. it. But he produced it. He was basically like backseat directing. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's not fair. Henry Selleck is a really great stop motion. <laughs> Henry Selleck directed Wendell and Wild, which came out recently. Uh, he directed Coraline. Uh, so he he's an accomplice. I don't want to diminish good him, job, but Henry. but it's a shame because people usually like just assume Tim Burton directed Night Before Christmas, but he wrote and produced I, I it. it but says, he yeah, a, a Tim, Tim Burton production or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um. So he was really more focused on doing that stuff than, than a Batman sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, Bert, but he was then later confirmed to direct the sequel in January of 91, with filming scheduled to begin later that year for a 92, 1992 release date. He agreed, to re- he agreed to return if he received creative control of the sequel. Interesting. Hmm. Burton considered Batman, the, the original one, uh, the least favorite of his films up to that point, <laughs> describing it as, quote, a little boring at times, end quote. <laughs> According to Denise Denovi, who was the, his longtime producer, quote, only about 50% of Batman, the, the last film, was Burton. Um, the studio wanted Batman Returns to be more of a Tim Burton movie. A weirder movie, but also more hip and fun. <laughs> um, Burton replaced key Batman crew with some of his former collaborators. So really at this point, he's like, I'm bringing in my people. Yeah, he's right? like, if you want me to do it, I'm doing it my way. Exactly. And it seems like that's what they wanted. It seemed... <laughs> thank yeah. you, Frank Sinatra. That's, <laughs> and it seems like that's kind of what they wanted, too. They wanted him to make his they were, version they of... They were willing to take a bigger risk, yeah. Yeah. Especially because he kind of proved himself. Like, he delivered. Mm-hmm. And then again, Beetlejuice was a big success. Batman was a big success. Edward Scissorhands, he, I believe. He's got a good track record. Of, he proven of, himself. Of the kind of, like... Of delivering, uh, the, yeah. The uh, heartfelt, kind of dark comedy type of, you know, yeah. situation, so. Um, Daniel Waters was hired to replace Ham. Um, Burton wanted someone with no emotional attachment to Batman. Goodbye, Ham. Um, and he liked Waters' script for the dark comedy Heathers, which, like it or not, it you kind of see why he would like that. No, yeah, I understand. Um, like, I always sometimes think Heathers is like a Tim Burton movie for some reason. What? Well, Winona Ryder's in it. And, I guess so, yeah. Right? They did work um, a lot. Heather, so, so yeah, Waters, Burton liked that tone of that script, um, that film, which matched Burton's intended tone and creative direction. Mm-hmm. Um, Burton reportedly disliked Batman producer John Peters, um, demoted him to, ex- from the original film, mm-hmm. he demoted him to executive producer of this film and effectively barred him from the set. Oh. <laughs> but I guess Peter Goober made it out okay? I don't know. <laughs> How you doing, nothing, I have nothing about Peter Goober. How you doing, Goober? Um, um, gooby gooby. <laughs> no, yeah, I definitely see the similarities and you know the comparison, but I think it's just like, I think for me, just like, I mean, I I haven't watched it in a while because of my firm hatred, but like, I think for me, it has all the topical things, but there's no. There's nothing to ground it. Mm-hmm. So that's why it just seems so ridiculous, but like in a very insensitive way to just like. We're back on Heathers. Yeah. <laughs> Enough with the Heathers! <laughs> just to. We just, get it! Just to, you know, go go back to back of, you know, jokes and humor and, and, yeah. um, and you know, was a dark comedy. levity 
with with such dark things. Art know. art is supposed to challenge the status quo. I understand of what's acceptable, I and understand. you're putting guardrails on on art. No, I think it's irresponsible because there's no. This was a pre-Columbine too, like I was saying before. Well, sure, like, sure. I still think it's irresponsible to to not have any anything to weigh it down when it's just joke after joke after joke. It's like, ha ha ha. This is so funny. He, he, you know, he, he. Ho, ho, ho. Ch- children being mentally ill and depressed. Quick, and, what, and... what? I just sang a tune. What Tim Burton movie is that from? What? He, he, he. Ho, ho, ho. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> when they go, he, 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 he. Ho, ho, ho. Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka. <laughs> the amazing chocolate deer. That Which one. is an underrated movie. I actually quite That's like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. That's a scary movie. <laughs> if, so they have the original Willy Wonka. Then they made the remake. And they're making yes. a Timothy Chalamet Wonka origin story. What? If they make a fourth one, we're covering the Chocolate Factory franchise. What? The Willy Wonka franchise. Though there was a Tom and Jerry version. <laughs> but I can say that more of a crossover. We'll add that in. So maybe we'll see if we'll count that as a fourth Because Tom and Jerry as a franchise is far too much. Well, no, we would only do the feature films of Tom and Jerry. There's, only, there's mostly just shorts. Okay, okay. So I don't know how many Tom and Jerry movies there Maybe it's own well, franchise. Well, there's that one, Tom and Jerry. That just came out recently, like the last couple of years, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so so when it comes so when it came to the writing, right? So now they have this new writer, Waters is his last name. First Burton's, Tam, and now Waters. <laughs> the the you know water bed water benders ham benders. <laughs> you know. Oh man, I can never pastrami. I can never unthink that airbender meme of Katara bloodbending. Of what? What, like an erection? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Guitar blood, blood bending a, a, a man's penis to maintain Aang's. an erection. Oh, Aang. Aang's penis. Okay. Can we not talk about Aang's Ong? Ong? As the M. Night Shyamalan live action movie called him, Ong? Um, I'm sorry, it's just scarred into my brain. Like I said, people who stop, who, you know, I boost these episodes on Facebook and stuff. So a lot of people, hopefully, are coming to these episodes like they're like oh I like that movie let's hear what these random people have to say <laughs> I hope you're still listening <laughs> and I hope you know what you're getting it for anyway so Burton's only instructions to Waters were that Catwoman had to be more than a quote sexy vixen right yes um, they Tim were, the w- feminist well I don't know if it was feminism I think he just want, I think just narratively that's, that's another thing that this is a sidebar here but like, that's always something that annoys me when people will be like, oh, like, I can't believe we have to change our scripts and we have to be all woke now. And it's like, nine times out of ten, the writing choice that will, like, satisfies, satisfy marginalized communities is also the better writing choice. Yeah. Usually. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's it's narratively better to make her not a one-dimensional, like, sex object. Like, yeah. so yeah. I don't understand why people are like, oh, they made it. She, like, um... <laughs> Look at the Looney Tunes. Was it like Lola Bunny? Ugh, yeah. And people, people were mad for the new one because she wasn't as sexy anymore. <laughs> it's like, bro, she's a bunny. Like, uh, she's a bunny, bro. Yeah, bunny. Anyway, Don't say bunny, say rabbit. Um, Waters said that he did not like Batman. I think he means the original <laughs> film. Um, had no interest in following its narrative threads or acknowledging the comic book histories of Batman Returns as characters. Quote: Burton and I never had a conversation about what are fans of the comic books going to think. Uh, we never thought about them. We really just were about the art. <laughs> Which is funny because it's so different now. Where it's so much like, well, what are the fans... Like, they put like, little Easter eggs in. It's yeah. like, what are the fans going to like? Right? Like, 
comic books are for nerds. He also had no interest in preventing <laughs> Batman from killing people. The character should we reflect. Saw. The character should reflect contemporary darker times, and the idea of a hero leaving captured villains for the authorities was outdated. Like the original serials where he leaves a little sticker on their forehead. Yes, yes, yes. Um, political and social satire was added, um, which I don't know, because he's running for mayor? That's kind of it. Like, that's pretty broad political satire. Well, I, um, I don't know. I guess I guess because of what you said, the, the what Walken said. What did um, Walken say? About, like, making an example. Making an example, uh, uh, creating something. I don't know what you're talking creating about. Creating an issue in order to stop oh, it. Oh, yes, yes, yes. They make an allusion in the movie to like the Reichstag fire in the Gulf of Tonkin incident. So like they're going to like fabricate a crisis. Yes. So that the penguin can solve the crisis. Yeah. Even though he's like behind it, right? So. And um, his giant rubber ducky boat. <laughs> it's so menacing and then you see it come out of the smoke and it's like this is both horrifying and hilarious at the same time um, and this was actually influenced by there was two episodes of the 60s show um, in which the penguin runs for mayor um, so there's I don't know how much of the story itself is based off of that I think probably not much at all but like that general concept is um, had been done before which is interesting penguin for mayor um, waters change. Interesting. There's a lot of mayor stuff in in the Matt Reeves Robert Pattinson one. The whole thing is that there's a mayoral race yeah, happening. Mayor's a big thing. May, mayor's a big deal. Yeah. Well, the mayor gets like blown up in um, the Dark Knight Rises at the football game. Remember the football game? No. Oh, we'll get there. You'll forget by the time we get oh, there. Oh shit. That's like the 18th. Of the, what? Excuse me. Sorry. I know. I always tell you to do your thing. Yes. What the heck? And I have. It's on. It's on airplane mode and do not disturb. But I guess alarms. I think they bypass it. They so bypass you don't. it. Yeah. Um, Waters changed Ham's Catwoman from a fetishy sexual fantasy femme fatale to a working class disenchanted secretary, writing her as an allegory of contemporary feminism. Um. Um. Sure. It's, I mean, she still kind of is, but I guess that's also just, like, the character? Well, I think the key difference probably from an original version of her in, like, a previous that draft she had versus... Her job? Well, no, just that she has a lot more agency in this, mm -hmm. right? Like, she's sexy, but that's, like, not the only thing about her. Mm -hmm. Like, she's still sexy. Yeah. But it's the idea that she's taking charge of her destiny, question mark, right? Like, when she becomes Catwoman. She's def they yeah. definitely try to draw this like but, like borderline cartoonish contrast between per like when she's Catwoman versus before yeah, when she's like yeah. oh I'm just a I'm just a single cat lady oh man I just like honey I'm home oh yeah I forgot I'm not married <laughs> like this is what I'm saying it's just like the silliest movie I've just like I don't know it's just like so mm -hmm. I, I think her her character was like poorly written but um, I think I think the whole movie was poorly. Yeah, but I mean, I better or worse I, than Vicky Vale in the last one, though. I think. Oh, true. I think by just by default, her being like an actual character, I think, she's better. Yeah, but. I think better in some ways. Um, but it's interesting that that's like a point because I feel like that's kind of like Catwoman's whole shtick, no? Like that she is in charge of her own like. No, yeah, no. That's what I think. That's the really the point they wanted to make but her. But she's like an anti-hero, and so like she kind of does whatever she wants. Like her main objective is to take down like a man that's wronged her, right? So it's mm. like it's very much this idea. It's very much about like gender struggle. Vindictive, yeah. Yeah, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Um, mm. I just mean 
Like, <gasps> what? You were right. About <gasps> what? What you? I'm surely you're not researching things while I'm reading to you. No. Oh, so oh my gosh. You wait. just you just had an epiphany. What? So remember how I said the emperor penguins are are probably just like puppets or whatever? But you were right. There were people in them. Really? Yeah. Yes. There's people credited as emperor penguins. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah, so some of the penguins are really big. And most of the time, the scale... You can tell they're they big. They, they don't yeah. look big. I disagree. I couldn't tell until the very end when they're dumping his body into the water. <laughs> the, like, the scale between him and... I was like, the, those adult men in a penguin No, costume? yeah, they were really big in certain scenes, but... They did a good job of not... Like, the scale was appropriate they, yeah, where you did didn't always job. tell. Yeah, they did a good job, for the most part, scaling it with, like, the actual penguins. But they, they made the set bigger to they, make them look like penguin size. Yeah, but. but they also did use real penguins. I did notice that. Yeah, I know there were some... There were some... Ba- I think that I have some stuff in my trivia, so p- put a pin oh, in this, because <laughs> I actually looked up a funny trivia thing. Um, um But, yeah, interesting. Okay. Um, Burton and Waters eventually fell out. Huh. Disagreeing about the script and with Waters refusing to implement requested changes. Uh, Burton hired Wesley Strick to refine Walter, uh, Waters' work, streamlining dialogue and lightening the tone. Warner Brothers executives mandated that Strick introduce a master plan for the Penguin, resulting in the addition of the plot to kidnap Gotham's firstborn sons and threaten the city with missiles, which is kind of, it feels like an afterthought mm-hmm. in the movie. Like, it's just like, and I'm gonna, also in the last 10 minutes of the movie, I'm gonna kidnap all these children and that, blow up the city! That, well, I guess they tried to set that up, like, beforehand, because he was writing all the names down in the library or the record place. But, like, that's why he was doing that. Like, that's yeah, I, I didn't make that connection until <laughs> you so, just said it now. Well, because, yeah, because yeah, he was like, oh, give me the names off, or, or no, no, no. Um, he was like, oh, be careful with those names or whatever, like, and give them to me, like, you know. Yeah. Um, it was very, it was very biblical, very, very Prince of Egypt mm-hmm. type of situation but, going on. Yeah, like I can see on one hand, penguin, the penguin not having any like, like overarching plan can be kind of like a problem narratively. Mm-hmm. But I think they went to the opposite extreme of like this really like shoehorned in like, I'm gonna blow up the city. Um, it, it was a very, I, I would say that it was a pretty stark uh, change because I think. At, I even said it at first when we were first introduced and he was talking, you know, and, and telling us what, you know, what he wanted and everything. I was like, is he really a bad guy? I mean, he just... He just wants, wants his family. Yeah, he just wants to be accepted into society and find his parents, you know, and say like, hello, yeah. um, why did you throw me away like a piece of trash? They, the, the movie doesn't do a good job because like the way they present it yeah. is it's being played almost like he's using the story of wanting to be accepted as like a... A, a like a facade yeah, like a in order for some ulterior motive but it doesn't but as the movie went out I was like oh I guess he did wanna like be accepted by society but he's also eat, like it, I feel no, like they didn't thread well, the needle see, on it see that's why I thought that the the letterbox blurb was interesting because I don't think that the way it was presented to me it didn't seem like he was forcing Shrek it seemed like Shrek was forcing him and, and presenting all of the ideas to him. Or like kind of putting the ideas in his head. He, yeah. he was the one who brought him to the office full of, you know, staffers, like campaign staffers. For, for his May World campaign. You know, like yeah. he wasn't thinking about that, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so I don't, I don't know. I wouldn't say that, at least in this version, he had like 
that he was just straight up evil. Like it, it just seemed to. It was muddy. Evolve. It just wasn't clear enough what what his. I mean, he definitely fell into it. I think because like you know he he felt wronged and and you know despised mm-hmm. and you know bad things. Not despised. He got he got bad reception from people, right? So mm-hmm. you know he he fell into it. Yeah. But I don't think that was his original intention, or at least it didn't seem that way. Yeah. Um, but but anyway, yeah. So Waters said though that the changes to his work were relatively minor. Um, though he was he was baffled by the Penguin's plot, saying, "Quote: What the fuck is this shit?" <laughs> he made a final revision to the shooting screenplay, and although Strick was on set for four months of filming and agreed upon rewriting, Waters was the only screenwriter credited. Um, so poor Strick. Uh, in terms of casting, Keaton reprised his role as Bruce Wayne slash Batman for double his five million salary for the first film. What? So he's barely fucking in this movie. But that, that's a thing. Is like he feel like he's not really. How do we? Does he? Is he any better in this one versus the last one? Any worse, or is he like the same? I, I like him a little bit more here, I almost hate. because they're not more with him. And what I mean by that, it's like. They're not trying to make me really buy that he's Bruce Wayne. I'm just like, okay. Like, he most of the time, he's Batman. Like, when he's on screen, he's yeah, Batman. Yeah, yeah. So I'm kind of like, okay, I can buy him as Batman more than more than Bruce, I mm-hmm. think. Um, but, yeah. Burton wanted to cast Marlon Brando as the Penguin. What? Too scary. Who, I think actually would, that actually would have been kind of but great. But in a different way. Scary. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Warner Brothers preferred Dustin Hoffman... Dustin Hoffman, period. So I thought there was a comma in my notes. <laughs> Prefer Dustin Hoffman, period. Um, Christopher Lloyd, who, Doc Brown from from Back to the Future, of course. and Robert De Niro, Robert De Niro were also um, considered. But Danny DeVito became the front runner when Waters re-envisioned the character as a deformed human-bird hybrid. Ah, so it's Waters who decided this. <laughs> also, I'm sorry. Uh, he, they had him in the that Long John suit. He looked like Humpty Dumpty. He does look like Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> he was Dumpty. just a very round man with very skinny yeah. little legs. <laughs> um, DeVito was initially reluctant to accept the role until he was convinced by his close friend Jack Nicholson, who played the Joker in the last one. Close friend! Probably was like, look, I made a shit ton of money. <laughs> yeah, just like... Just do it. Ask for fun. merchandising rights. Do it. Yeah, just go have fun, honestly. Um, to convey his vision, Burton gave DeVito a picture he had painted of of a diminutive character sitting on a red and white striped ball with the caption, my name is Jimmy, but my friends call me the hideous penguin boy. Oh, Tim. Um, he's so weird. Um, casting Selena Kyle slash Catwoman was difficult. Annette Benning initially secured the role, but had to drop out after becoming pregnant. Um, talk about, like, yeah, so much for feminism. You can't get pregnant after getting a role. Um, actresses... Oh, I see you highlighting her name in the doc. So now you can Google her to see who Annette Bening is. Oh, I... She was in, um... She was in, um... She looks familiar. What's it called? Um, American Beauty? Remember the one with Kevin Spacey? Yes, yes, yes. She, she was the wife, I believe. Um, yes. She did a lot of other stuff, too, but that, that's, like... She looks I, very familiar, um, but I can't recall from what. Anyways, continue. Um, actresses who lobbied for the part included Ellen Barkin, Cher, Bridget Fonda, Jennifer Jason Leigh, Madonna, Julie Newmar, Lena Olin, Susan Sarandon, Raquel Welch, and more. The most prominent candidate, however, was Sean, uh, Sean Young, 
who was cast as Veil in Batman before she was injured. So I guess in the previous uh, film, she was supposed to be Veil, and then, got, and then they had to recast her with um, Kim Basinger. Shit, girl, why um, did hurt? Young went to Warner Brothers Law in a homemade Catwoman costume for an impromptu audition for Byrd, and she reportedly hid under his desk. Um, <laughs> nevertheless, though, the role went to Michelle Pfeiffer, who dis- who was described as a proven actress who got along with Byrne, although some publications said that it would stretch her acting abilities. I guess they didn't, they weren't sure if she'd be able to pull off the character. Oh, really? Um, I don't know what she had been up to that point, though, so I don't know where that's coming from. Um, well, I know now, um, at least she's, she's very... She's very versatile, well but, yeah. But back, I mean, this is 99, this is, you know, 30 years ago. Um, Pfeiffer had also been considered for Vicky Vale from the last film, but Keaton vetoed the casting because they had been romantically involved, and he believed that her presence would interfere with attempts to reconcile with his wife. Oh! So, I guess it was a little off-screen. I guess they had been involved before the previous film, and then he was like, I'm trying to get back with my first wife. I can't be in a movie where she's my love interest. It's going to make things hard. I guess maybe either he had finally got back together with his wife, or there was no hope of getting back to his wife. So he was like, fine, let her be Catwoman. Let her be Selena Kyle. Oh my gosh, it's so messy. Okay, so in Scar- she was in Scarface, 83. Um, oh, I forgot. Yeah, that's a, like her big Which thing. is a Beastwick, 87. Oh, we, also he, with Jack then, Nicholson. Yeah, which we talked about in the last one. Um, let's see. Dangerous Liaisons, Frankie and Johnny. She had yet to be in her, her biggest role. As the lady in Hairspray. <laughs> the mean mom. Who Christopher Watkins also in. Yes. <laughs> uh, tequila Sunrise. Uh, Oof, I had a bad night of throwing up after drinking after having too many Tequila Sunrises. That's a drink. I know. Are you being serious? I'm 100% serious. I, <laughs> I went to a bar once with some friends and I had like three or four of them all within like two hours. And then I went back to my friend Christian. I went back to his place Oof. and I threw up in his bathroom. Well, once or twice, but it was all within one sitting. Or uh, should I say kneeling? Okay. Anyway, enough about talking into, about vomit. Into the night, 85, the Hollywood Nights, okay. 80, uh, the Russia we, House, we, 90. We don't need her whole filmography. Love Field, 92, this is everything pre-92 or 93. Okay, <gasps> Thank and you. that's it. So, yeah, she's been in, in Ant-Man and Wasp. Ant-Man and Wasp. Post-92, of course. Yes, of course, of course. Uh, in terms of the music, Danny Elfman was initially reluctant to score Batman Returns uh, because he was unhappy that his <laughs> score was supplemented with pop music by Prince. Um, Burton and Elfman fell out during uh, production due to the stress of finishing Batman Returns on time, but they reconciled shortly afterward. Phew. Okay, good. Um, in terms of... They're like... Well, he's been like he's been his, yeah. yeah. Oh, that would have changed um, so many movies going forward. Just oh yeah. The butterfly effect. I wonder if he wrote the Willy Wonka Willy Wonka song. <laughs> I hope so. Stop um, thinking about Willy Wonka. They, uh, in terms of like the, the production design, the production designer Anton first uh, from the first film, who I believe they won or was nominated for Academy Award. So it's really good, right? Um, he was replaced by Bo Welch, who understood understood Burton's visual intentions after previous collaborations on Beetlejuice and Edward Scissorhands. <clears throat> um, Welch found it difficult to create something new without deviating from First's award-winning work. Uh, the designs were intended to appear as a separate district of Gotham. If Batman took place on the east side, Batman Returns was set on the west side. Hmm. Um, Welch was influenced by German Expressionism, which I talked about uh, last week mm-hmm. um, is a film era where it's like very, very stylized Pointy. sets. The very 
pointy is one element of it, but you know, it was like very like pointy. Sure, point right, sure. <laughs> um, as well as neo-fascist architecture, including Nazi Germany era styles, um, American precisionism painters, and photos of the homeless living on the streets in affluent areas. So again, very much of its time, of like the dawn of the neoliberal Commentary. area. Uh, the key element for Welch came early in design when he realized that he wanted to manipulate spaces to convey specific emotions. Um, Welch, I think that's like the aim of every production designer, but okay. Um, like emphasizing, I guess he's, it says here to emphasize vertical buildings, emphasizing vertical buildings to convey a huge, overwhelmingly corrupt, decaying city filled with small people. So like the contrast between the mm. architecture and the people. This film is about this alienating, disparate that. world we live in. I did see that. Um, marketing, in terms of marketing, franchising had not been considered an important aspect of, of the original film's release. Um, at, however, after Merchandise contributed about $500 million to its $1.5 billion total earnings, um, not just box office, but everything associated, it was franchising was prioritized for Batman Returns. Yes, of course. Um, Warner Brothers delayed major promotion until February of 92 to avoid oversaturation and the risk of driving away audiences. Um, it was released... Um, like as we know in summer of 92 by that uh, theatrical summer beginning which usually begins like the last week of May is like the summer blockbuster season starts the film industry was struggling ticket sales were their lowest in 15 years um, rising film production costs and several box office failures the previous year meant that many independent some major film studios were struggling financially um, 89 films were scheduled for that summer season and studios had to carefully schedule their releases to avoid competition from anticipated blockbusters, which included Lethal Weapon 3, as well as the 1992 Summer Olympics. Um, Batman Returns was predicted to be the summer's biggest success, and other studios were reportedly concerned about releasing their films within a few weeks of its premiere. So, like, <laughs> when a big movie comes out, like, other studios, like, try to stay clear yeah. of it. Unless uh, you're Marvel and you just release cannibalize five, like, your own. You, yeah. you basically cannibalize your own <laughs> movies because it's like your movie then competes with another movie that you also made. And yeah, it's like, remember when remember when Black Panther was still in theaters when Infinity War came out, and yeah. he yeah he was in theaters for like a month or two, and then another movie came out and he fucking did. And he was fucking. He was, he was only alive. He was dusted for yes. like a month. No, he um, actually did. Shit. Batman Returns premiered in June. On June 16th, 1992, at Grauman's Chinese Theater in Hollywood, two blocks of Hollywood Boulevard were closed for over 3,000 fans, 33 t TV film crews, and 100 photographers. Um, so what did you think of this movie? Silly. Okay. <laughs> well, that's we it for this week's episode. Oh. <laughs> that's what I was thinking the whole time. It's just so silly. Um, I just like... it was Silly a in a good way? Because the Adam West one was silly. And that's why I liked it. But it was, I think the difference is that this isn't, this is trying to be weird, but it's not trying to be no, silly. I think it's like, not meant to make us laugh. Well, there are funny parts, but we're laughing at the silly. wrong parts. Yeah, I think bad silly. Um, I think overall, like I do appreciate it, I guess just cause like, you know, um, nostalgia, but then also, you know, just being a fan of Tim and Danny, um, well, and also Danny. Um, <laughs> Tim, Danny, and also Danny. Because <laughs> I was thinking DeVito, but then I remembered. Oh, so there's two Dannys. Yeah, so there's two Dannys. Danny and Danny and Tim. Um, and, yeah, so uh, I think somewhere in here there is a an okay story, a, a 
could be a good story. Um, but there's just like a lot of things that I think present itself that kind of like maybe get in the way of it. And like it, what? Like the script. I don't know. It's just like <laughs> like mm-hmm. like I don't know. Just sometimes it was just so silly. Like 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 with um Selena and the whole like oh yeah I forgot I'm not married like it's like okay like you can tell us in other ways like you don't have to be so like heavy handed with it you know that's the thing it was feels like I think they were trying (laughs) to really draw a contrast but it does borderline on on like comical when she's just like every other sentence is like oh well you know me I can never get get a man yeah. you know like it's like yeah, the, that pre-catwoman state that she's in is like yeah it's just it's just absurdly like self deprecating yeah um so I think I think they're a little heavy handed at on some other parts too um but yeah I mean honestly I would say is this really Batman Returns or is this like the Penguin story? Because like mm-hmm. Batman is like barely in it, which like which I, is a big problem I think for Batman movies. For Sometimes Batman is movies, is like being too folk. Like the villain kind of takes like steals the spotlight. Yeah, that was which was certainly true with Jack Nicholson and the Joker. In yeah, the last one. yeah, definitely. I mean, like I don't mind because like I I like Penguin. I like Danny DeVito. Like I think. You know, he, he really, like you were saying, he really does the role well. Um, but, you know, like, it is a little silly, like, for a Batman movie to not really have Batman. <laughs> I mean, he's in it. It's just that, it's just like the same thing as the last one where I, I never feel like I really, I never feel like I really get into him. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I learn detail, like, factual details, but I never feel like the story is really from his POV. Something that the Christian uh, Christian Bale movies never struggle with. Mm -hmm. Like, they always very much... Even the one... Even The Dark Knight, which is very much like the Joker show. Yeah. I still feel like... I still feel like I'm... It's... I'm I'm seeing it through Bruce's eyes. Mm -hmm. Whereas this movie and the last one really feel like... It's like I'm watching Penguin or the Joker, Catwoman, like... I'm not talking about scenes with Batman actually seeing them. I'm just saying, like, mm-hmm. the perspective always feels like I'm a viewer watching the Penguin, not... I'm, I'm not I'm not with Bruce. Yeah. In the like way I want to be. Like, seeing this... Emotionally. Just, yeah, like, seeing this just to inform, like, you know, where we stand, Bruce and, and us as the audience. Because, mm-hmm. um, like, I, even in The Dark Knight, even with scenes without Batman, I'm always thinking of... I'm thinking about the Joker... In terms of how does how does he contrast Batman? Like I'm always thinking Batman's Bruce in those movies is like my measuring stick. Hmm. Whereas in these movies, he's kind of just like another character. He's the main character. He's the yeah. he's the hero, but it's like he's not as central to my appreciation or understanding of the story. Yeah, by any means. Which which like he's probably the least complicated of the characters. He should really be the most complicated. <laughs> he's just like brooding. He's just like. He's just like, I don't know. Eating cold soup. Into himself, yeah. Like, not in- Also, I looked up, just so you all know, that soup can be served cold. It typically is served cold, but can be served hot. Mm. So him him kind of being annoyed at the cold soup what, is semi-justified. What was what was that? Was it like a potato soup? It looked like mashed potatoes. Vichy Suisse, I think it said. Yeah, some kind of soup. Hmm. 
I don't know, cold soup. It feels like, I feel like I would throw up eating cold soup. Cold soup! <laughs> Not hot soup! <laughs> mm, of course, the reference that everyone's going to know. Oh, it's from this movie about... Is it called... Is it's it? called Against the Wall. Oh, Against... Not Attica. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, Against the Wall. It's about, like... Is it about Attica? Yes. Or, or, like, something similar to... Yeah. It's about the Attica prison uprising. So there's yeah, a character it's, it's, who... It's, a prisoner who throws hot soup on someone. He's like, hot soup, motherfucker! Hot soup! Yeah. And that's what she's referencing. It's pretty funny. Um, Anywho. Well, not, not the situation at Attica, of course. But just the saying hot soup. Because that was like one of his that person's gripes, you know. There's like lack of toilet paper, and then there's like soup, you know. So whatever. Um, but but yeah, no, I honestly like don't mind because like Jack Nicholson, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Danny DeVito like are kind of awesome. So. Like they're fun to watch. <laughs> like if you're gonna focus on these other people. It, it at least is good that they're entertaining. They're really good. Yeah, I think they. I think they. Outshine that was a problem with like Michael the serials Sega. where it's like remember Daka, like yeah. the Japanese, uh, not wizard. The wizard was the other guy. The, yeah, the, the, like like the business we spent guy. a lot of time on him, but he's not interesting. Yeah. Whereas with this, it's like okay, I have some issues with you narratively sidelining your protagonist, yeah. but if you're gonna do that you best be sure to make them interesting. And I think and they, they do are. pull that yeah. off. Yeah, and I, I think they kind of outshine him just a little bit. Um, kind of similar with, like, Jack. But um, but it also doesn't help that he's, like, barely in it. Yeah. So, yeah, 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 whatever. Um, but so it's fun. The movie, again, I think it speaks to your point. The movie starts with essentially Penguin's origin story. It starts with him being yes, born. Yes, it's the Penguin and, movie. And the, and the mother's giving birth and... <laughs> The doctor stumbles out of the delivery area. Never a good sign. When the doctor is like, looks like he just saw like a bomb go off or something. Oh yeah, so I guess he's born like a deformed mutant penguin boy. But the only thing um, is, are, are his hands, right? Unless his, his nose is kind of like, I don't know. I guess like, his nose is, his nose is obnoxiously pointy, but I, I, don't, just, know. I don't know. I just figured that was. Um, a, they keep the boy in a cage. He attacks the cat, which I think is foreshadowing for his beef with Catwoman. Oh, um, I didn't even catch that. But, so what um, do they do? They dump him in the river. But I'm confused on the timeline, though. because so 33 he, years exactly. No, 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 I understand. Before this I'm movie saying, starts. No, I'm saying birth and then being in the cage attacking the cat. Maybe they tried for like a year. Okay. And they were okay. like, this is not working. Okay. okay. They, or maybe, a, I have no idea. And that, yes, but then somehow he becomes self-sufficient or penguin-sufficient. I guess he finds, I guess he, he, so they drop him down a river and he ends up in the sewers. But then the sewers, I guess, lead to below the, the zoo. But there's penguins in the sewer below the zoo? I think they're one and the same. And they raise him? Point. How does he learn to speak? Well, the people at the zoo, they yell. <laughs> you know? Maybe, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, well, he probably he probably goes out to the grates, you know. He was he was Pennywise in it a little bit. Pennywise in it a little bit, like the clown from It. Yes, looking out the grates. Um, it was weird. I think at some points it, it looked one and the same because the the sewer tunnels opened to the penguin exhibit, mm. unless that was a separate exhibit. But at one point. They someone falls through the glass, like the observation glass, mm -hmm. into that area. So huh. I don't really 
know. Interesting. Um, but yeah, there's definitely with this film a huge star increase, right? It's like watching the opening credits. Yes. It's like Michael Keaton, Dane DeVito, Michelle Pfeiffer, Christopher Walken. I was like, holy shit. Like, this is like... Yeah, a... that's what I'm saying. It was But like... no Billy D. Williams. Harvey Dent. Oh, uh, yeah. That is kind of weird. Who was really only cast so they could eventually have him be Two-Face. But then they never did. And they just wasted him on like a few lines in the last one. Yeah, he was barely in that one. He was just in the conference scene. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, big names, big sillies. Big names, big laughs, big sillies. Um, <laughs> big Christmas? Yeah, so so the, the whole thing is going to take place around Christmas time. Again, a classic of like the 80s, 90s consumerist culture. Yeah, um, it's like Die Hard. It's like semi-Christmassy. Yeah. The debate that people are like, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? I'm like, who gives a shit? I don't really <laughs> care. Um, I forget why I wrote this, but Penguin is an anti-capitalist. At some point, he's talking about like the masses being oppressed by the powerful. Oh, yes, like, yes. He says some uh, something about business because, you know, Shrek, he's a, he's a business guy. I forgot what he said, but I remember. Yeah, so I don't understand what Shrek's business is. Um, He's He's just a general business, but he's just, like, involved in different... Like, doesn't he have a department store? But he's also yeah. involved in energy? Like, his whole evil scheme is that he's going to create a... I, essentially something that he's going to claim as a power generator, but really it's sucking power away. Yeah, and, and, like, basically, like... Creating demand for power. Yeah, and I think also, like, having them increase it, but also, like, like paying to increase it or whatever. I don't know. Um, Yeah, that's kind of unclear, but I guess, like, a general businessman um and kind of just like has ties into everything i mean he even has like the mayor kind of in his back pocket so like yeah there's he, one point he's where like one of those guys you know? it's there's one point where they're doing a press conference and he's like the mayor's like i'm gonna turn it over to the one who really runs the show yeah he inter the mayor like like explicitly <laughs> explicitly he's like our leading citizen which how do you get how do you how who how do you determine the leading citizen <laughs> the one who pays the big bucks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so the whole idea is that Selena is his secretary. Oh, excuse me, executive assistant. Um, and <laughs> her whole origin stumbles. story is that she upon yeah stumbles plan. upon like the the truth that he's gonna siphon off all the power. And I said, girl, you better shut your trap. Were you trying to get yourself killed? And surely she surely did. Sh sure enough, she sure did. Sure enough, yeah. she surely did. She said. What, why, why are you telling him all of the evil things you've uncovered? Yeah, he pushes her out of a window. Silence! Take two cops. Come back. You know. Be done with it, yeah. Fix. Um, but yeah, they, they, he pushes her out of a window, like, ten, like a dozen stories. Yeah, like, if a, not like more. a million like, stories, and she, like, lands on it. But I guess, I guess what breaks her fall, she, like, lay, she, like, kind of crashes through, like, a tarp. So, kind of, like, breaks a little bit of her fall. And then, so I guess that's how she survives. Now that I think about it, why does she land, like, in an almost similar position as Sally? <laughs> With the bent leg. Oh, in Nightmare Before Christmas? Yeah. <laughs> With the bent leg. <laughs> um, but then, out of nowhere, they establish that she has a cat. A singular cat. A singular cat who goes out on the town. But when she falls, like a fucking armada, <laughs> a feline armada appears to like lick her wounds. And she starts like yeah. twitching and her eyes start rolling back her head. And then she like wakes up she and gets up. She sees us. It's kind of scary. Yeah. <laughs> and 
and she goes back to her apartment and like just just wrecks her apartment which I don't is the idea because cats wreck shit no you didn't understand no well okay tell me because of the stark contrast between their characters right like Um. Selena is is a pushover she's she's you know Mm. does what other people say she's kind of like a little girl in a sense and that's why she has so many like stuffed animals and it's pink Mm. and like you know, froofy, frilly, like, why the fuck is she making a dollhouse? Like, you know, things like that. So now it's, like, the complete opposite of, like, she's like, fuck this shit. Like, I'm gonna tear it all up, and I'm gonna go, like, you know, latex, like, leather hot bitch now. It's it's funny, because it's, like... It's a a visual representation of her changing mindset. No, I understand that, but it's, like, I'm gonna stick it to the man. By destroying my own apartment. That'll show them. No, no, no. <laughs> She's just making her own cat lair. But, no. I don't think we ever go back there. No, I know. I'm just saying, like, she's... She, she drinks a lot of milk when she, she comes home. Ugh, she does straight out of the carton. <laughs> she's like, but, <laughs> also, she was, she's very frivolous. And she when she served Miss Kitty, she got milk on the floor. Is, yeah! Is she, is she going to clean that up? And we're in the middle of a recession. Is is Miss Kitty gonna drink it off the floor? Why why put it in a bowl at that point? Just just pour just pour a bunch on the floor. What the heck? Well, put it in the bathtub. <laughs> yes, like <laughs> Mr. Popper's penguins, baby. Mr. Popper's penguins. <laughs> oh my god, I. Mr. Cobble Pop. Mr. Cobble. Mr. Cobble. Mr. Mr. Cobble penguins. Oh my gosh, it was. It brought me so much joy watching that. Well, it was a little sad because they had like explosive rockets strapped to their backs. But it brought me so much joy watching all those fucking penguins walk to the town square. They were just like yeah, near the end. Yeah, so uh, were we were talking about him deploying missiles on Gotham earlier. <laughs> the plan is to like have a bunch of missiles strapped to a bunch of penguins. Yeah, so they're waddling down the street or whatever. I like a, I like an intersection. They're just so cute. Yeah. Also, where the fuck are all the people? It's just yeah, empty streets and like no one notices this giant brigade maybe of, they, of penguins. Maybe they went to hide because they were like penguins. <laughs> penguins are so cute. You know. And there were different kinds of penguins. So the big ones with the with the people in it. They those were emperor penguins, but then there were other little penguins. You know. There's like the pebble penguins, and then there's there's the the Lovelace penguins. He's not in that one, I don't think, but or in this Lovelace from Happy Feet. Yes, yes, yes. You know the one with like the little yes, of course, yes. I don't I don't remember seeing any of those, but I I saw a lot of pebble penguins. There was a lot of combining penguin types that wouldn't normally go together. Yes, yes. You would think in in a zoo, don't they only keep one to two kinds of penguins? They don't keep like five different types of penguins. I don't know. Wouldn't that wouldn't that create New species. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I I I do I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say it. <laughs> I do like this cat woman. Yeah, she's cool. She's just yeah. a, it's just like I don't know, something to be something is left to be desired with like I don't know, her her She elevates the material. Pre, yeah, yeah. Like there's definitely like some stuff lacking. Mm-hmm. Like Either, like in the script or just like character like um like what's driving like motivation or anything but like yeah i think Mich- michelle pfeiffer definitely like was able to take 
what little material she had and like really like fuck that shit up yeah (laughs) she like really commits i think that's what makes it work is that like you could see her body language change Mm -hmm. you could see like her facial expressions the way she'll deliver her lines yeah um it's just it's you know she's also really hot (laughs) it's just the but i wrote down mommy catwoman um, is her costume is great. And I, is she the best Catwoman? Probably not. Is she the most Catwoman? I think so. She she really she really does lean into it. And like I was saying, it's like very campy, but like because she commits to it, it like doesn't seem yeah. as like because the other versions of Catwoman don't really silly? feel like Catwoman. They like, just feel like cat burglars. Cat burglars. No, they're just like... Isn't that what she... Yeah. Whereas this, like, feels like... This is, like, a character named Catwoman. Yeah. I mean, she, like, really commits. She's, like, licking herself and shit. Like, you know... Like, oh, my God. That was so oh, okay. bizarre. Yeah. Okay. No, I'm... That's no, not I'm, the word I thought you were going to say. No, it was okay. bizarre. Okay. No, I wasn't... I did not like that. Okay. I was not attracted to her licking her palm... Her, the, the back of her fist and then rubbing it on her... Is that how cats clean themselves? I, I, thought they, I know they licked... I didn't know they then used their licked paw to then wipe other parts. Well, yeah. How do you think they they can't lick their ears? Yeah, well, dogs will just look like they start licking their dick, so I don't know. They do that too, but oh. their dicks aren't their ears. How are you supposed to clean the top of your head? That's a good point. I don't know. Exactly. With your paw. Right, right. You've convinced me. Come you on. talked me into it. <laughs> Come on. Um, again, another person. Again, Dane DeVito also really commits uh, to the penguin. Yes. Um, but again, so scary. other versions of the penguin, he's just like a gangster. Why is he a mutant? It's just horrifying, I think. It's just... he, he is very horrifying and like kind of like a sad little man, honestly, because like, like I was saying, he, he, wears, he wears those like long johns or like, like a, I don't know. A night, yeah, I know they're long suit. johns. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, he wears long johns, but then like at, at one point, like it looks like he's like shit himself because like it's like dirty in the crack area it's very unpleasant that's the word i would use like, is like his performance is very unpleasant i don't enjoy yeah. i enjoy artistically i do not enjoy it like well i mean i guess he, he is from the source so it makes sense but it's just like i don't know there's something very scary about it but straight also, out of sewers <laughs> straight out of the sewers yeah. um but yeah but also like very silly um i guess some time ago he was a part of the circus Question mark? Yeah, that part confused me. So yeah, that's why his goons are clowns, which yeah makes would have made more sense for the Joker. I mean, I guess it makes sense, but not if he's from there and was already there. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, if he was from somewhere else and then that's how he got to Gotham, then that I think that would make sense. But the fact that he was from Gotham, got to, to be in the zoo, got to his circus. lair, and then went out. To be a part of the circus and then, and then back. come back. That's it's a little, it's a little strange. A little strange, but I mean. Mm-hmm. If you had to pick a favorite between Catwoman, Penguin, and Shrek, that's <laughs> like the villains. Who would you? Who would you? Who is your favorite? Mm, probably, I think Penguin for the like outgoingness of it um but I also did think that like as always Christopher Walken brings like his his like 
subtlety to like the corrupt bad guy. I don't know, but he but it. He's was... not as memey as Christopher Walken has been. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like it, it was also weird because like, like he... we gotta find this bad man. <laughs> he doesn't do that, which I was a little no, disappointed. No, no, but he's still there's something about him. I don't know. Um, but it was also kind of like strange because. I don't know. To me, like, he just looked like a doll. Like, he, I don't know. He just looked like airbrushed. Like, like. What's well, so weird because he just blush, looks like a. Like it was just like he was like a doll or something. It's like weird because he's kind of like just a person. Yeah. But then you have Catwoman and Penguin who are like visually so ridiculous. Yeah. That it's like weird. It's like not. A, it's like a weird contrast between them. Yeah. Um. And of course, Especially I, in Burton's, the world that Burton has constructed. It's weird. Like, he's, like, yeah. fairly normal looking, all things considered. He's, like, the most alive looking person. <laughs> Usually Christopher Walken always looks like a, like a zombie <laughs> or something. Um, but, no, and that's not to say that I, I don't like Catwoman, but I don't really think of her as, like, a villain, mm. at least. Or she's, like, like, by default, Penguin. Yeah, I mean, because, like, I know she's, like, technically a villain, but, like, I don't know. I feel like she's, like... She's an antagonistic force. Yeah, she's an antagonistic force, an anti-hero. Um, whereas, like, these guys She's are... the hero of her own story. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, she... What was up with that? She was, like, saving that lady, but then she also, like, victim-blamed? Like, was that... Yeah, kind of. She does kind of... So, yeah, there's a part where strange. a woman's getting mugged. And then strange, she no? she's able yeah she's able to take out the mugger, and the woman's like thank you. And then she kind of turns on the woman is like, like, you gotta stop putting yourself in these situations to get rescued by a man like Batman. Yeah, yeah, something weird like that. It is kind. I didn't think about that. She's kind of like blaming the victim for getting mugged. <laughs> I. Is walking down the street putting yourself in the position to? Be she's like the other end mugged. of it, where it's like. <laughs> She's like the other if if her if she starts off the movie as like the super like oh if only I could find a man to like this opposite extreme it's of like, like fuck a man like like you're you're less of a, like almost like a pick me kind of woman where it's yeah. like like I'm not like other women like I I stick up for myself a blah, pick blah, 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 blah. Me woman. you never heard that like no. the girls so their whole personality is like I'm not like other girls yeah. I'm different pick me oh oh oh. oh. Like yeah, so I've heard the first part, not the not the name. So, um, that's it, like, it's not always that, but it's like the idea of like the reason why they're differentiating themselves is like I'm the better woman. Yeah, so you like, should pick yeah. me. Like I'm better because I don't need you, but like. But that's I, like the thing. It's like I'm better because you. like I'm you know like I'm not into girly things. Like I'm not yeah. like those like frivolous girls. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like you don't have to put down other women. To affirm your <laughs> womanness, womanliness, um, but there, there was there, it was the nineties. We we liked nuance, you know. That's the thing. Yeah, it's like at the time people were probably like, "Whoa, so progressive, so feminist." And then you watch now, you're going, like, "Yeah, I don't know about yeah. some, of the, some of the choices." Because well, now we now you know we I don't even know I wasn't even fucking born, but like yeah, yeah, <laughs> you but... know like I think people understand that that you don't have to be on either end of the spectrum that it is a spectrum and you can you yeah know, express as long as you are expressing agency if you want to be a housewife yeah and like 
cook and clean and that's what you want to do, then that's great. Yeah. It's that so many women for so long, like, were had no forced. other... They were forced. They had no yeah. other choice. So, like, exactly. don't do it if you're if you're being forced. Well, obviously, they were forced. Never mind. Uh, like, don't do it if you think that that's, like, the only thing you can do or, like... If that's not going to bring you joy and, like, happiness. Yeah. Because some like, people derive, like, that, like, I'm going to be a homemaker. And yeah, I'm going to... Yeah. People, I'm yeah. going to, like, my... It's going to be my job is, like, making this, like, the best place for, you know, these kids to grow up. Or yeah. Whatever, right? Yeah. Whatever it is, right? Which is honestly very commendable because it, running a house is very difficult. Yeah. And kids and stuff. It's that, it's that, as long as it's, like, it's done freely... Yeah. Actively with agency is yes. the thing, right? And, so it's, and I think also with the support of your of your partner too, because if it's just by default because they're the ones who work and then you're left to take care of everything, then that's that's also not very. Even if you want to, it's you know complicated. There's no there's no black and white. Eh, you know, only brown. Only not only brown. It's just shades of gray. <laughs> um. <laughs> no black and white, only brown. Only brown. Um, but let's talk a little bit about Tim Burton and all of this, right? Yes. So, man. I think, I, I think he, you could sense that he's having more fun with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's as visually inventive, inventive as ever, um, in terms of like some of the camera angles and like the camera push-ins and the editing and. Oh, the miniatures. The mini- well, the miniatures, yeah. There's well, there's the miniature of the zoo, which I think is a miniature because the way no, they're moving the camera around in 1992, yeah, I they, was like, yeah, in the credits, there. This is why you gotta watch the credits. Oh. Um, there, there was like a miniature production place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you can definitely see the bigger budget on on display. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in terms of the sets, you the, can see it in the names. Too. Probably just the pay. Yeah, probably a lot of it's just like <laughs> like with Johnny Depp, where we it was something like 50 million something. <laughs> No, maybe it was less. Maybe it was like no, five. yeah, it was like something utterly ridiculous. It was it was like grossly, you know. Yeah. It was it was absolutely ridiculous. Um, I'm trying to see what else. I didn't write up too too much here. We talked about Keaton. Again, I think he's grown on me a little bit more. He's definitely more low key. We don't get any more moments of you want to get nuts. Let's get nuts. That was so he's, weird. He's yeah. pretty low key for this movie, which I think helps him. Mm-hmm. Right where it's like this consistent characterization, as opposed to being kind of like. Low key in the last one, and then just like out of the blue, like yeah. like the last one he was more squirrely. Like mm-hmm. Michael Keaton is kind of like not squirrely, but Michael Keaton is kind of like a quirky guy. Mm-hmm. It it felt like he was being Michael Keaton more in the last one when he was being Bruce. Mm-hmm. You know, like when he's like trying to tell Vicky his secret, he's like, okay, so you know, like <laughs> whereas this he <laughs> felt more like bad. like like a a little bit more of like a blank canvas yeah which i think has problems with it in itself but yeah i think it at least doesn't have the problems of being too much of a bad thing mm-hmm. i don't want to say bad i love michael Keaton. don't no, get me wrong no i think it's just just not appropriate it's just a difficult role or difficult character to pull off because there is i think such subtlety and that like i'm, I'm sure bruce can laugh right but it's like takes so much and is so rare that like a lot of his personhood is is very you know like not monotone but like very real you know kind of relaxed and reserved like that but you it can't just be reserved in a performance you know like there has to be it has to be a compelling reserved or else it's just boring there's a difference between being reserved and just like not just like acting yeah, like not doing like, anything yeah there's yeah. a difference between acting 
and you're trying to hold back the acting. Yeah. Than not acting. Yeah. Right? Like, that's what, like, um, there's a difference between someone not crying and someone holding back tears. Both of them, they're not crying, but one one is very different, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, um, so I, I think that's how I would describe it. Is like, mm-hmm. I don't, I, I mean, I don't know personally how hard he was trying, but I, I feel like ten million dollars. I would hope he's trying. <laughs> but I, I think that's just a difficult thing to that not a lot of people are able to bring, um, mm-hmm. and but especially on film. You know, because like with a with theater, I feel like you could do you could just be more more exaggerative, like um, exaggerated, exag- yeah. Ex- yeah, exaggerated. Um, you know, kind of like playing to the back row or whatever um, to contrast that reservedness in, in you know the regularity. But I think with this, there's not really that opportunity, or at least he doesn't take that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I'm just me. Um, but something that <laughs> I'm like, I'm not, I'm not like a, a, a thespian. Um, but nor are you a lesbian. <laughs> um, but one part that does really bother me is when he takes off his mask and it rips like a two dollar like rubber yeah he, near the end he <laughs> takes off his mask to to reveal his identity to, to catwoman who i already thought knew was i thought they already established that they both knew who each other were at the at like the, the, the that's what the i'm ball. saying is that there's subtleties within the movie but then they they come at it with heavy handedness it's like okay we understand they both they both knew that each other were each other at the They wanted to make sure that, I bet that was like a studio note like you gotta reshoot this scene because uh, does she know that he's Batman and Tim yeah. was probably like well yeah we had a scene where yeah they they, they both knows. realize yeah. and and it's like no it's not clear enough like, you're right they'll undermine like <laughs> the subtle like some really interesting that, that yeah. was like one of the better scenes right where they're at this ball mm-hmm. and they both realize that they are the other because earlier in the film because they're actors. they're talking about mistletoe and, and you can see it yeah it was <laughs> early in the film when they're Batman and Catwoman they're fighting and they're talking about mistletoe yes 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 and he's like it's dangerous to they say what the other person said yes it's dangerous to kiss to to, no, to eat to eat mistletoe and then she says it's you know it's more dangerous to kiss if you mean it mm-hmm. um and then at the ball they both as Bruce and Selena they both say that but they like reverse it. So it's like, they're both like, wait, how do you know that thing that you just said? Mm-hmm. And then they both realize. And it's yeah. like this more subtle, again, they're not like, wait, you're Batman? Mm-hmm. You're, like, they don't say that. Like, they don't need to. Like, they know, we know, we get it. Well, then, um, then they know, and because of that, and their their prior establishment of their relationship, then I, I think on both sides, right, it, is why she feels... I don't know, I guess you could say she feels comfortable enough to, to you know, um, like, divulge and, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of, uh, what is it called? <laughs> Confi- like, confide in him about wanting to kill Shrek, mm-hmm. right? So that's why she's like, oh, like, I have this gun, you know? Like, she wouldn't have just done that with Bruce. Yeah, yeah, she, but know? she, because she know now that, like, the truth is out there, she's like... That they're both, like, vigilante types, they both, you know, kind of 
operate outside of the law. Mm-hmm. They have, you know. And that's and I think that draws an interesting Which line she, where it's like I think she even mentions. Yeah, like and, and I think this is one of the better parts of the movie is like they do draw this interesting parallel in this romance, right? Like mm-hmm. not that she's been Catwoman for very long, but they both express like they're both tired of wearing masks in a figurative sense. Because it's funny because yes, at that party, I they're the only you. ones not wearing masks because it's I, a masquerade, bro. I was the one who pointed that out to you. You um, didn't understand. I, d- I did. I'm just saying. After I said it? I, before! <laughs> but you didn't get the break, the, the wrecking of the apartment? No! I understand that she was mad, but why? When, what is destroying your own stuff? The so, old her! Oh, the old the her. The stuffed animals, pink frilly dollhouse Selena. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, but they do draw this interesting parallel between the two of them, and and to a lesser extent. But now that we're talking about it, they are both vigilantes. Mm-hmm. So what makes them different? Like, why is Batman okay, but Catwoman? You know what I mean? It's like it raises interesting questions about like vigilanteism guess... and like what makes you know like where's the line between like you're 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 br- breaking the rules to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. What's the line between that and like you're just doing the wrong? Like I think I think it's similar to. I don't think anyone should take the law into their own hands. But, <laughs> no. but I think it's, yeah. in it's, this in this context, it's you know it's I think a different. It story. could be seen as kind of similar to like Professor X and Magneto, because like they, in a way, they both want the same thing. You know, they both want mutants to be accepted, right? But it's it's kind of the the road to hell is paved with good intentions type mm. of, you know, Catwoman Cat is, is easily like, or, or, or Joker or any of the villains are, are easily distracted from the straight and narrow or the, you know, the path of justice or whatever, or well, justice within vigilantism. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, so I, I, I would say that is, that's at least my perceived difference because I was thinking the same thing and I like I thought it was interesting that she explicitly said that. Also, oh my god, along with the heavy-handedness, like there was some like go- there was some drama in this movie. There oh, yeah. there was like so silly, but then like there there would be like some good burns. Or, like, just, like, calling people out, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I was just like, <gasps> ooh, I can't believe she said that. Or, like, I can't believe she said that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so that, that was... I can't believe she licked his entire face. That was disgusting. I, I hope you took a mint before doing that, Michelle. <laughs> also, oh. what is... It was Onion Rings Day at the craft thing? service table. How is this going to help his relationship... How is this going to help mend his relationship with his wife? You licking him. <laughs> From chin to nose. <laughs> like you haven't done it before. <laughs> Just in private. Yeah. Um. Well, hopefully, even if he ate his lunch in costume that day, it would be okay. Because as it's revealed, he has like 12 of the identical Batman outfits. <laughs> He's like did, a cartoon character. Like we did, it, we did get an answer to our question. Uh, uh, what's his name? Alfred does not take his suits to the dry cleaners. He simply gets another suit. It is like the B movie. Though I'm sure they wash the, they still wash the dirty ones. No, 
He just gets a new. He just be, well, he's be, every day gets a new suit. Well, he doesn't go out every day. I think he goes out every night. How, how is that sustainable? That, that's what some of the films wrestle with. <laughs> but um, but no, yeah, it does. It the movie. Speaking of wrestles, it, it the movie does kind of it tries to examine this idea of like the, the the conflict or contrast, I should say, between justice and revenge, and like how yes, they're different. Yes, yes, yes. Which Batman Begins also focuses yes. a lot on. Add that to my add that to my road to hell thing. Mm. But easily swayed. I think in Batman Begins, Katie Holmes's character says like, justice is about. Like, you know, like a trial, like like actually being held account. Mm-hmm. Vengeance, revenge is just you making yourself feel better, mm-hmm. right? It's not really holding them to account, mm-hmm. you know, in a meaningful way. Um, but let's see, what else do we have here? Oh, we also see that the entrance to the Batcave is like one of those tor- spiky torture devices, like a sarcophagus, and he goes yeah, inside, and then he goes down and he slide, he comes out like as on a slide. <laughs> See, it's like stuff like that is just as silly as the Adam West thing, but it's played serious. But he, he just does it. He's trying to be, you can tell he's just trying to do it so coolly. Like he's trying to, to fumble Michael out. Keane is really trying to like, yeah, keep he's a straight face. He's trying not to fumble out of there. It's yeah. funny. Um, and one other funny thing I, not, I noted is, yeah, so near the end, the penguin, yeah, so he's running for mayor and he's making a speech, but then Batman has a recording of him saying other stuff on CD. Yes. And it's so it's like, oh no, he's he, they're hearing what he really thinks of them, or he's evil, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then Batman is kind of like he's playing a he's being a DJ, and he's like re, he's like remixing Penguin, <laughs> and he's like doing like like the DJ thing where he's like, but it's like a CD, it's not a vinyl. <laughs> it's like, bro, you just scratched the disc. That's not how it works. I think CDs were very new at the time, newish. <laughs> Um, that was funny. Yeah, because at first I I didn't understand what he was doing because like it was like mid car chase, and well I guess mid car takeover chase, and um he just pops a CD in and I was like, the fuck is he doing? He's gonna listen to like a self help like CD? What is going on here? And there is no explanation until that. Until later. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh okay, so I guess he was recording. Yeah. I don't know how that's possible. Oh, there's also FaceTime. He FaceTimed Alfred. That's right. Pre-proto FaceTime. Yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, this movie, I think, I'm kind of like in a similar place with the other one. It's like, it's okay. Like, if I never revisit this, I'm not going to be um, upset. There's certainly, it's just like the last one. There's parts of it that I really like. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say there's nothing that annoyed me uh-huh. that much. Like with, uh, what was the reporter's name in the last one? Knox. Oh yeah. He like actively annoyed me. There was nothing like that in this in this movie. Oh, it was kind of um, strange how they wrote off Vicky though. It was just like, oh, that didn't work out. Like, yeah, they just there was just like this one like <laughs> classic '90s sequel, like no attention to continuity or or like or like have, trying to integrate she it. Could, just like she couldn't have made a, a little a little cameo, and then you know you kind of have that contention between the two. And... It'd be more interesting not just cameo if she was a major character, mm-hmm. but now he has like there's like this love triangle. Where she's like, he's like, I don't love, I don't love Catwoman. And it's like, yeah, but Batman does. Oh, like, you know what ooh, I mean? like, that would be juicy. Right? It writes itself. It writes itself, <laughs> Warner Brothers. You miss an opportunity. Um, but I guess the but, penguin did want to marry Catwoman. That was kind of weird. 
It's, everyone wants a Joker trying to marry Vicky Vale. Everyone's trying to marry everyone. Tim Burton loves women being unwittingly married to strange men. <laughs> um, I wonder if that's how Helena Bottom Carr felt about their marriage. But I don't think they ever got married. They were just together. Oh, I thought they were married. They were like together for a million years and then they broke up. Oh, that's they... the worst. I know. Well, I guess technically, common law. They oh, common law. Unless they didn't live together. Oh, unless they didn't live together. A lot of food for thought. I don't know the whole situation. That's a whole other. That's a whole other podcast. Yes. Um, you want to hear some trivia? Yes. Okay. At least fifty percent of the Warner Brothers lot was taken up with Gotham City sets. Wow. So it was a really big set, which makes sense, especially if you think of like the Penguin's Lair. It's like this huge space and it's like water it's like a, like a little pool so you really need like a lot of space to yeah. guess, build out things like that yeah. and again like the production designers said he really wanted to make really show a contrast between the size of the architecture mm-hmm. and the people and really make them feel small yeah it was, it was very it was very large it was very um high you know so yeah very it, high. It, it was a big space and they were little to be little people uh, Burgess Meredith, who played Penguin um, in in the Batman 60s show, in the movie, uh, was asked to play the Penguin's father in the opening of the film, uh, but illness prevented him from it. Oh. I bet the illness was a tummy ache oh. from eating too much raw fish. Oh. I'm just joking. Sushi! Um, in an interview for television, Stan Winston, I don't know who that is, told a little anecdote about how his crew were collecting the mechanical penguins after a day shoot and found one of the live penguins snuggled up asleep against a mechanical one. Aww. He must have worked like the VFX of it. Um, Danny DeVito, whose makeup as the penguin took three hours to be applied every morning, what? removed one of the cabinets in the makeup trailer and put in a laser disc machine in a television. Um, Makes sense. While they were putting on the makeup, he brought in his favorite movies and watched them in the mirror. Um, I should tell my story. Tell your story. Tell your, speak your truth. Okay. So when I was little, this one time I got, I got grounded, right? And so I was grounded. That meant no TV. But, you know, you have to eat dinner at the dinner table. You can't be eating dinner around the house, right? Of course, of course. So, you know, but if you eat at the dinner table with your back turned to the TV, and there's a back door with a window in it, you can watch TV just reversed. So, you know, Danny DeVito and I, you know. This was like. Great, great minds think alike. This was like the kid version of like, you know when you would, sometimes when you pirate movies, they're like flipped. It's yeah. like, that was weird. That was like the pre-digital version of what you're talking about. Um, My mom was so pissed when she realized. But. It's like, what? I'm not watching TV. <laughs> I'm not watching the TV. You are mischievous. <laughs> um, laser discs are, are before my time, but for younger <laughs> listeners out there, laser discs were kind of like pre-DVD. Like they were the size of vinyl. I think they were vinyl, but it was but for visuals. So you... Laser discs? I thought yeah. they were CD size. I'm pretty sure they were like album. They were vinyl sized. They were like bigger. Um, as opposed to, they were like the next evolution after VHS, but then before they really caught on, DVD came along, mm-hmm. which was just better in every way. It was cheaper to make. It was yeah. better video quality. So laser discs eventually fell out of favor. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that's that's why it, of, this dates this this time in the early nineties. A lot of stuff's cut out from VHS to DVD. 
I mean, think VHS is like an inch thick. You know. Oh yeah, they yeah. Just, they just really. Oh, like the like the plastic, you mean? Yeah, yeah. they just they just really slimmed. They took up a lot of space. Isn't, yeah. Isn't that that that's kind of impressive how much they slimmed it down? Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, the crew. So, isn't there a part where there's like a monkey and he delivers a letter yes! from Batman? So the crew. The crew had a hard time getting the shot where the monkey delivers the letter from Batman to the Penguin. Evidently, Danny DeVito's makeup terrified the animal. Oh. Lots of cute animal stories in this. Uh, hopefully, the animals were not mistreated. No, it said so in the credits. They weren't. <gasps> Several modifications were made to the bat suit, including a color scheme and chest plate logo. At the request of Michael Keaton, a zipper was also added to the pants. <laughs> when you gotta pee, you gotta pee. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Now where's the door? <laughs> yeah, with the Batmobile. Yeah. Well, that was the thing on in Greece um, for the, the last scene when Olivia Newton-John's in the leather suit. It didn't have like a uh, zipper, so she basically had to get out of costume every time she had to go to the bathroom. And also, they were filming like outside in the summer, and so she's probably oh, drinking a lot of water. Like it was just yeah. Yikes. Um, the, the where am I? Oh, here I am. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer went through sixty cat suits during the six-month shoot at a cost of a thousand dollars a piece. Ripped or maybe they got ripped or something? maybe ripped or got fucked up maybe doing some action. Oh scenes. well, you, you know what? Now that I think about it, she she does have she does get fucked up a few times. Yeah, like it's all ripped up and whatnot. Mm. Um, I didn't read this in my trivia, but I talked about it. There's the scene where she like decapitates all the mannequin heads. Yeah, there's a behind the scenes video that you can find of like actually on set of Michelle Pfeiffer doing all of them in 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 succession at once herself. As she learned how to use the whip to decapitate these pretty, mannequin heads, and then and then following like them cutting, like the crew like erupts into applause, and they're like, "Woo!" That's pretty fucking badass. Um, during one scene, Michelle Pfeiffer had to put a live bird, a live bird in her mouth. Um, oh. They had bird puppets on set, but Pfeiffer, but Pfeiffer thought they all looked too fake. Girl, so she had a real. It's in your mouth. It doesn't look like nothing. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> this was one of the last major Hollywood films to be done, quote, the old-fashioned way, with indoor sound stages, Trump uh, loyal sets, which um, I looked up what that meant yesterday when I was writing this trivia. Um, what, what does that mean? Um, it's force, using force perspective mm. to create dimension mm -hmm. um, where the, there is no dimension. Um, as well as uh, miniatures and various other vestiges of old school Hollywood filmmaking. Because if you start to think, I mean, the next year you get Jurassic Park, mm -hmm. right? Like you start to have a lot more stuff on location, which had been a trend mm -hmm. um, since like the 70s and 80s. Um, but then with the dawn of like green screen and everything, sat, like you really start to see um, stuff like this fall by the wayside of like yeah. building these sets and everything. Ooh, expensive. Um, in order to get the cats um, to surround Selena when she's knocked out, the filmmakers put tuna on a dummy version of Selena and tuna on on the suit. <laughs> um, I'm skipping this one because we already talked about the the Reichstag fire and um, oh oh so there are numerous references to Germany's uh, Weimar Republic culture, which existed from 1919 to 1933. The outfit and look of the penguin are based on the title character from The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, which was a very famous German expressionist film mm -hmm. from, from the early 20s. Mm -hmm. um, and much of the scenery and set designs of this movie are inspired by the same movie. A villain um, is named after Max Schreck, who was a film star of that era. Hmm. 
uh, from the Weimar, the Weimar Republic. Shrek suggests to the Penguin to make a Reichstag fire, the terrorist act which the Nazi parties used as a subtext to seize power, saying they were guarding against terrorists and disband the Weimar Republic. It is popularly assumed that the Nazis set the fire. Um, according to the book Movie Magic by Robin Cross, the Penguin's army consisted of real penguins, penguins in glass fiber suits, robotic penguins controlled by puppeteers, and computer animation. A technique called flocking was used, where several penguins would imitate a master penguin, allowing control over large numbers. Yes! So if they had just one robot one, they would all follow that one. Yes! Like in um, The Walking Dead? In Walking Dead, they have like the... The, 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 the whisperers. The, yeah, the whisperers. Yes! Um, during his appearance on the WTF podcast with Mark Marin, Michael Keaton stated that he has never watched the completed movie. He went on to explain that he only took the role because he needed money for a real estate deal. <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> okay. In, in this film, Christopher Walken is the aggressor, where, whereas Michelle Pfeiffer is the submissive. The two also appear together in, hair, in the 2000 musical Hairspray, uh, movie musical, where Pfeiffer is now the aggressor and Walker, Walken is the submissive. Yes, of course, of course. A little reunion there. He's a very doting husband. Um... Also, I did. I well, it's it's interesting to know now that Shrek was named after a real character, but I just thought it was funny because Shrek, you know. Somebody wants okay. Don't make the world made of macaroni. <laughs> um, Batman record scratching a CD, which uses lasers. The whole point is that the record scratching is like. The, the little thingy. Yeah, the groove has Scratch the, it. Sound, yeah. the, the song. So, yeah. Batman doing this was ridiculous back then. But now there are record players that use lasers instead of needles. An example being the ELP laser turntable. <laughs> it was just a funny... Get over it. Get over it, woke mob. Can you stop with that? <laughs> you are the woke... We are the woke mob. I know. That's why I like <laughs> to say it's funny. The Penguin's life begins... Um, by being thrown into the river, and during his return to the society that cast him out, he plotted to kill the firstborn. Aside from the fact that he was thrown into the river in an attempt to kill him, and that he failed his child murdering, the penguin is essentially a reverse Moses. Yes, I said it was very biblical. It is very biblical. Um, the final shot of the film, in which Catwoman is seen looking at the bet signal, was added as an afterthought only weeks before the film opened. Um, the shot had to be filmed on a weekend less than a day after conception with a double for Michelle Pfeiffer. That single shot cost $250,000. What? Oh, so we finally got our, uh, we also got our, another answer to a question. So I was, we were like, uh, how does he see the bat signal if he's just hanging out at home? Not looking, he has out, like reflectors. Not looking out the window. He's got reflectors. So it's just like this whole thing. Yeah. A whole contraption set up. Um, singer Vance Joy names this as the film best, show best showcasing Michelle Pfeiffer's talents, inspiring a line in his song Riptide, quote, I swear she's destined for the screen. Closest thing to Michelle Pfeiffer that you've ever seen. In the song, in the song Riptide, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, he has said he's especially impressed by the scene where Selena vandalizes her own apartment after surviving a murder attempt. And then lastly, the penguin's age of death, 33 years old, is the same as the traditionally given age of Jesus' death. Very extra biblical. He's a Christ-like figure. <laughs> Two Bibles, double yes. down, double so, it. So, can, can we talk about critical reception? I'm dying to talk about critical sure, reception. Sure, sure, sure. So, 
Um, in terms of the reaction at the time, um, it has an 81% on Rotten Tomatoes, and here's the critical consensus quote. Director Tim Burton's dark, brooding atmosphere, Michael Keaton's work as the tormented hero, and the flawless casting of Danny DeVito as the Penguin, and Christopher Walken as, well, Christopher Walken, make a sequel <laughs> better than the first. I agree with all of that. No mention of Catwoman? Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman? Yeah. Who's writing these critical consensis? Oh, no. Yeah, I bet Ron Tomatoes is going to outsource that now to uh, ChatGPT or something. It'll, like, feed all the reviews and be like, write up one, like, you know, like, 30-word summary of all of these reviews. Yeah. Um, Batman Returns had a polarized reception from professional critics at the, at the time. Um, several reviewers compared this to the last film. Some suggested the sequel had faster pacing and more comedy and depth, um, avoiding Batman's dourness and tedium. I would say the last film was pretty dour and tedious. Um, critics generally agreed that Burton's creative control made Batman, Batman Returns a more personal work than the first film, something fearlessly different uh, which could be judged on its own merits. Uh, critics such as Kenneth Turin, however, said that Burton's innovative, impressive visuals made Batman Returns feel cheerless, claustrophobic, and unexciting, and were often emphasized at the expense of the plot. Uh, reviewers generally agreed that despite Keaton's ability, his character was ignored by the script in favor of the villain, something we, we've said many times. Oh, Scenes without him were among the best. They were considered the best. Um, Pfeiffer received near-unanimous praise for the film's standout performance as a passionate, sexy, ambitious, intelligent, intimidating, oof, and fierce embodiment of feminism <laughs> who offered the only respite from the otherwise dark tone. Uh, Welch's production design was generally praised, offering a sleeker, brighter, more authoritarian visual style than first's, uh, the original production designer from the first film, his brooding, oppressive aesthetic. Um, despite its PG-13 rating from the Motion Picture Association, warning parents that a film may contain strong content unsuitable for children, some audiences, particularly parents, disliked Batman Returns' violent and sexualized content. The studio received thousands of complaint letters. <laughs> This is back, yeah, now it would just be angry YouTube comments. Um, Waters recalled Thank the you. aftermath of one screening, quote, it's like kids crying, people acting like they've been punched in the stomach and like they've been mugged. Oh. So you can see he's he wasn't very sensitive to people's concerns, I suppose. Yeah, we'll see. Um, so, good. We're not we're not the only ones who noticed it. And it's not it's not because we're being, like, prudes or anything, but, but it's just, or pearl clutching, it's just, like, this dark difference in like each scene <laughs> there's a weird tone issue it's, a it's very not consistent weird tone issue. Yeah. um in terms of a more modern like what you know what what a modern reception would look like critic brian Talerico said that the elements which originally upset critics and audiences are what makes it still quote revelatory it's one of the best and strangest movies of its kind ever made end quote um i don't know if it's one of the best and strangest movies of its kind ever made but I think there is something... I think the best parts of it are when it's weirder. Mm. Like, I think... Oh, like When Burton is able to just, like, be Tim Burton. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, I don't know. I... I so, so on Letterboxd, it has a 3.6 out of 5. Mm -hmm. Which I believe is the same as the last film. So, again, it's not like this, like, cult... Like, people love it now. Like, it's still kind of... It, people like it. It's influential, but... but, like, a lot of things, it's, like comparatively like it's like oh okay it's fine you know yeah. but it's like it's like what it did mm -hmm. is that you know kind of like the Ramones <laughs> like the what? the Ramones the <laughs> band the Ramones? yeah <laughs> just like I was thinking about this the other day <laughs> how like they have a song 
about wanting to sniff glue. <laughs> you know, and and that they're only pushing goes the boundaries. so far. But you know, the the cultural, uh, you know, pop culture and and media, mm. you know renaissance and and push it the you know you can go to target and and bitches buy a ramon shirt don't even know who the fuck they are you know it's it's know. like a you're one of those people who's like you like the ramones name five of their songs no i'm not um <laughs> here's some as, as our new tradition here here's some letterbox reviews that i was able to yes. pull. matt lynch writes quote three cosplaying homicidal psych- psychotics driven insane by a pulpy cocktail of sexual desire, emotional trauma, and socioeconomic anxiety wage open armed conflict in a major metropolitan area. This was bankrolled by a major studio and released to an eager public. Sounds like another Tuesday. It just sounds like another Tuesday. <laughs> oh, yeah. For Tim Burton, at least, yeah. <laughs> uh, Matt Singer, oh, another Matt, writes, quote, that this Catwoman never got her own solo movie and Halle Berry's did is one of the great tragedies in Hollywood history. Um, okay. I believe they were going to make a spinoff movie with Michelle Pfeiffer and then yeah. that kind of languished in development hell for years and that eventually became the Halle Berry movie. So she, um, didn't, she didn't want to do it or it just... I don't know the details. I'm sure we'll learn about that when we talk about Catwoman, but I think mm-hmm. for whatever reason it ended up not happening. Yeah. Um, San on Letterboxd writes, quote... Sam. S-A-M writes quote if Danny DeVito isn't the manic pixie dream girl of this movie then I don't know who is <laughs> um, he is he, minus the times he's like like strangely crude he, he's he's so cute he's like I mean he's scary looking but like his, his yeah. him mm-hmm. as himself you know um, in terms of the legacy of this so Warner Brothers decided to continue the series without Burton um, they described him as too dark and odd for them. <laughs> um, and they replaced him with the director, Joel Schumacher. Um, a rival studio uh, executive said, quote, if you bring back Byrne and Keaton, you're stuck with their vision. You can't expect Honey, I Shrunk the Batman. Um, so we'll talk about the Joel Schumacher <laughs> movies uh, d- down the road. Um, Warner Brothers was sued by executive producers Benjamin Milnicker and, and Michael Uslan. Who alleged, who alleged that they had originally purchased the film adaptation rights to the Batman character, but were denied their share of the profits from Batman and Batman Returns by the studio's Hollywood uh, Hollywood accounting. Uh, we talked about this last week. A method used by studios to artificially inflate a film's production's cost, making it appear unprofitable and limit, limiting royalty or tax payments. Mm-hmm. The court decided, decided in the studio's favor, citing a lack of evidence. So they never really got their, their, their slice of the, 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 the cheddar, if you will. Oh. Um... Although initially criticized for its mix of, of the superhero and film noir genres, the film established trends towards dark tones and complex characters, which have since become an expectation of many blockbusters. So it was influential in a lot of ways. Yeah. No, even though yeah. it wasn't super successful at the time. Yeah. No, for real. Um, you know, I think actually someone wrote here um, that they're kind of like the Ramones of movies. <laughs> fuck. Which, like, I'm not trying... I'm not bagging on the Ramones. I like the Ramones. It's just... Ahead I, of their time. It was just... I. It was just funny when that song came on, and I was just like, wow, these guys are so influential, but they're just singing about sniffing glue. Yeah. I mean, that's not their only song, but like- Well, ACDC is saying, I've got big balls! I've got big yeah, balls! Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's just like- <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Some writers said that its disturbing imagery, exploration of morality, and satire of corporate politics seemed even more relevant in the present day, as did the themes of prejudice and feminism exploring Catwoman. So yeah, again, there is like this sense of it is a little ahead of its time in terms of wrestling with some of these, um, you know, these issues. I guess so. Um, weren't, but, weren't people doing that? No, I know, but I'm saying it feels very relevant now, too. Mm. It, it still hasn't, fortunately or unfortunately, hasn't changed. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, according to The Ringer, which I think is like an online publication, Burton's weird and unsettling sequel enabled future auteurs such as Christopher Nolan, Peter Jackson, and Sam Raimi to move into mainstream films. Um, I think that's true. I think Tim Burton did, because this is the last one that we're going to talk about that Burton directed, so we may, we may as well kind of just say one little thing about Burton is that I think his career on the whole... Not in, like, major ways. I think it could be attributed to a lot of different factors, especially, like, the independent film revolution of, like, the late 80s and the 90s. But I think mm. Burton does deserve some credit in making mainstream movies a little weirder. Yeah. At least for a time. I think it ebbs darker. and flows. Where yeah. Dark, a little bit, willing to kind of just be, like, strange, you yeah. know? And yeah. I think Sam Raimi's a great example. Right, because he's also a horror director that transitioned into super. Because he did the Evil Dead movies uh, and then did Spider Man, mm-hmm. right? So that's like I think a great example. Um, actually, same with Peter Jackson, because one of his first films was like this weird, gross horror movie, and then he did the Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think Burton does deserve some credit in kind of opening the door uh, yeah. for other straight white male directors. <laughs> You know, they who who they they had never got their chance to shine in the industry. He really made it possible it's for them. It's always the straight and narrow white men. Now it's the weird white men. Which I oh whoops. Those. If I touched her garbage okay. right before this she housed some Reese's uh, peanut butter uh, uh, cups. Okay, you don't have to shout about it. Jeez. Um No, yeah, but I mean like I have said before, like I, I like Tim and I like his work, so you know, um he, he is very influential, um, both just, like, culturally, but also, like, you know, yeah. individually. And to this day, you know? Like yeah. His, like, I don't think he's really made, like, I think his best films are behind him, mm-hmm. but, I mean, he's, I mean, what what's the, with Wednesday, like, the Adams Family show, I think he, like, produced that, right? Oh, did he? Yeah, I so I think he's very much um, involved with that. In fact, yeah. I think because of that, I think they're finally going to make a Beale Just 2, mm-hmm. and, and Jenna Ortega, I think, is going to be in it. Right, so oh, I think, interesting. interesting. I think Michael Keane's going to return as, as Beetlejuice. Oh, really? Yeah. Even he's old. Um, interesting. Well, he, was already, he was already 800 years old anyway, so. <laughs> was 830. 802. Yeah. Um, yeah, but. So, um, so he still, he still kind of has some influence, I think. No, he's yeah. Still he's still kind of. Yeah. Um, kind of like. Uh, his most recent film was like the Dumbo movie. No. Nah. Was it the oh, live action Dumbo? Oh, that's why I did not want to see that at all. It just looks. Let me let me see. Yeah, what's the last movie he really did? Really fucking creepy. Like, I don't know. It just looks mm-hmm. weird. I don't. I don't like any of the like live action like weird CGI animal movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, yeah. I mean, he's very. He's he's pretty memorialized in in the fact that you know like it. it there's like a whole genre you know i think he he kind of opened the door that's a good point for, yeah. he kind of opened the door for us emo kids to <laughs> you know really be 
to have some movies. He's the reason yeah. Hot Topic exists. <laughs> with all the fucking Jack Skellington <laughs> merch. Yes, and- oh my god, especially, I know Henry, or Harry, whatever, Henry. Um, Henry Selleck. But, you know, especially, yeah, especially Tim, you know, and... It's still and, his brainchild. He's yeah, still, yeah. You know, yeah, weird shit, yeah. Um, and, you know, like, in the Blink-182 song, you know, it's like... Yes. Live down in the valley, you can live like Jack and Sally, you know, so he he's And we'll have Halloween on Christmas. Yeah. Yes, and he's he's touched every form of media and culture. Your kids have touched me. And I'm pretty sure I've touched them. Ew. From what? School of Rock. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> Viviana, favorite part. Scene, actor, character, line. What was your favorite part? Say, I'm gonna say nipples. Nipples? No. <laughs> I'm, gonna say, I'm gonna say penguin um, because I just think it's funny that little Danny DeVito is riding in a little rubber ducky boat and he's friends with clowns who are actually like very like smart and sophisticated mechanical engineers who turned the bat- <laughs> Batmobile into like a bomb slash uh, they be- put a being, thing in it so that like being, Penguin could control yeah being able to take it over because Penguin's sitting on like a almost like an arcade that was car so ride silly and they, he's controlling the Batmobile like, he yeah. just walks into this fucking trailer I'm like why is there like a fucking trailer just on the side of the street and he goes in and it's like it's like a 50 cent you know like you pay to ride like yeah, little thing And it's just like, (laughs) I got you, Batman. (laughs) (laughs) The stupid people of Gotham. (laughs) And the fucking trailer's shaking. Like, you know, that's what they do when people are having sex. Yes, um, yes, classic. Silly, silly, silly. Hoochie Mama. Hoochie Mama. Yeah. Um, Hoochie Mama. No, I'm thinking of the thing in Seinfeld when they find them having sex in in the woods in the camper. And it's kind of rotating back and forth. He's like, don't open it. Don't oh, open yeah. It. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Mama! I, I think I'm going to say, I think my favorite part is the dynamic between Batman and Catwoman. I think there's still a lot more that they could have done um, to flesh it out. But I think what's there yeah. is an interesting foundation to go off of that would have been interesting to explore in, like, a, another draft of the, of the script. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really like that scene, like, when they, like, we were joking about, like, the scene where she likes his face. Like, like that, that's, <laughs> that, that scene... Not just that part, but like yeah, that scene is because yeah. there's like pretty good fight scene between the two of them, and like yeah. they have this back and forth, and like they're like a, they're a good match. Mm-hmm. They're fun to watch interact. So and they they even um, they even incorporate. You know how you always talk about the how Spider Man before the suit, but after the powers. Yes, when I wear big hoodies, I like to say I'm Spider Man before he gets his suit, but after he gets his. Powers. Yes, yes, yes. So I, I think they they also incorporate that with Catwoman, how she's like always losing her like little her little claws. Yeah. Um. So I thought that was like an interesting thing, you know. And then also making the, because she she sewed it herself, so it has like the stitching and whatnot. Yeah, the, um, I, I do like her costume a lot. Yeah, I think I think. Um, she looks like a dominatrix. <laughs> I think there's some good attention to detail. Oh, I got a report back. So, two seasons ago in our Indiana Jones season. Sure. Um, we talked about Temple of Doom. 
And one of the trivia points was that as a prank on Harrison Ford, one of the uh, takes was Barbara Streisand coming on set in like a dominate leather, black leather dominatrix outfit and whipping Harrison Ford. And I was like, who knows if this is true as IMDb. I think I sent it to you, I found, someone found the clip. It's like really shitty quality, but it's true. It's Barbara Streisand. It's so strange. So, so when you hear so a crazy strange. IMDb trivia that I spew on this, it could be true. <laughs> I hope it's true. I, um, I still, I still appreciate the uh, the Hugh Jackman called Shower one, trying not to wake his wife. He's so, like, uh, he's like, uh, he's like, yeah. <laughs> All right, Viviana, one out of ten. Um, one to ten. What are you, what are you rating? I, I realize I've been saying one out of ten, but I mean to say one to ten. Yeah, one, one out of ten. Is that what you give it? <laughs> what one to ten? What are you giving this movie? Maybe, maybe like a six or seven. Um, what did I give the last one? You gave the last one a seven. Mm. Oh. Well, here's I guess here's a good question. Do you like this one more than the last one, or? Because if you do, then it would definitely not be a six, because you gave the other one a seven. So. This is great. Why don't you start talking? Because, okay, I think I'm going to give it a seven, but now I have to decide which one's on top. Actually, okay. you know what? I think the first one's on top. Okay. Actually, mm, uh, yeah, sure. We'll put the first one on top. Which one would you rather watch? Uh, I think this one, but the, fir the first one is better. Which do you like more? This is this is all subjective. What do you oh, like more? In terms of what? In terms of like. You know the the unit of like seven like. Is that the same as Calvin? You mean Kelvin? Kelvin. Calvin and Hobbes. Um. Which would you rather watch? This is your own personal ranking. Don't worry about like objectively. You know, I can be. Well, what would you prefer? Okay, fine, fine. I'll put this one above, but I think objectively the other okay. one is. is but it's a seven. Better. Uh, yeah. Because okay. I was going to do 3.5. Did oh, you? A letter Which is a 7. Yeah. I think that's okay. what I gave it. Okay. I think I am going to give it a... Uh, I think I'm going to give it a 6. Mm -hmm. Again, I still think it's still okay. It's not something I really love or like all that much. I think it's a net positive, but it's not something I really want to mm -hmm. revisit. If I'm comparing this with the other one, though, I think... I like this one a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, I think the other one had higher highs but lower lows, mm. whereas this one's a little bit more consistently entertaining. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I'm gonna. There's definitely like more to it because of the because there's not just the one villain. Yeah, yeah. There's like a lot a lot of stuff going on. Um, you get two villains for the price of one. <laughs> um, and again, there's like a little bit more interesting character work being done with Batman and Catwoman. I'll be mm -hmm. a little a little thin, but it's it's still something. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, we have different scores, but so far our rankings of these five films are exactly the same. <laughs> so far. Yeah. Five. We have, have these first five. <laughs> and, um, you know, look, I'm so I'm looking at Tim's movies right now, and, like, I, I would say, like, I like most of them, but now that I think about them, they're, like, pretty, they're, like, okay, like, maybe a little bit above okay, but, like, I think it's, like, his approach to the genre that really makes it... He's like, a singular voice. 
Yeah, he's a real, what is it called? An actor. An actor, yeah, when it's like the, they do everything. No, it's not that they do everything. Not it's just do like, everything, but the yeah, the conception. You really the, feel they're they're like really the author of Tarantino-y. the film. Tarantino-y, yes. They're the author of the film in a way. Yes, like, Tarantino-y. Um, okay, well, my computer's about to die. It's at 6%. So that's <laughs> it for this week's episode of Now That's What I Call a Franchise. Next week, we'll be watching the next film in the franchise, the 1993 film Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Viviana, where can they find us? I'm glad you said that because I wouldn't be able to. Mask uh, of the Orgasm. <laughs> no. You guys can find us wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Franchise Podcast. Why do you always say that like you have more to say? <laughs> I don't know. It annoys me. You're like, at Franchise Podcast. And then you're supposed to jump in. But we know you have many podcasting options, and we thank you for choosing us. Peace out, guys. <laughs> As the little boy outside my window said earlier... <laughs> He said, oh, what did he say? Oh, 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 let's, or no, he said. What? He said, said, later, alligator. See you later, alligator. He said, hola, senor. See you later, alligator. Hola is hello. Or no, adios. He He said, adios, senor. See you later, alligator. Goodbye. That's what I say to you.